How many steps do you take before you have foot pain? Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store, and the truth is, the battle between our feet and the concrete or asphalt usually winds up with our feet losing. Studies show that about 75% of people will experience some kind of foot pain by middle age. I found that out a number of years ago with plantar fasciitis, and I tried to remedy it with shoes and drugstore cushions that didn't work. Finally, I went to the Good Feet Store, was personally fitted for arch supports, and I love them so much, I bought the store. Without a plan to protect and support your feet, it is likely you could one day be one of the millions living with chronic foot pain. Don't wait until pain demands that you visit us. Stop by the Good Feet Store today and let one of our trained arch support specialists fit you with your personal system of arch supports. The Good Feet Store is located in Fairfax, Leesburg, Rockville, Baltimore and Hunt Valley, and in Annapolis in the Annapolis Harbor Center. For more information, go to goodfeet.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mile Higher Podcast. What is up, all of our Mile Higher homies? We are back, episode number 26 today. Yes, yes. How you guys doing? How you guys doing today? Yeah, how are you all doing? We are doing I, We fine. literally just asked fucking three times. <laughs> <laughs> we're having one of those days, you know, we're just... We've done this intro like four times in a row. And we're probably just overthinking this like majorly, but oh, yeah, we're t- we let are. us know what you think of the new intro. Hopefully it's it's better. <laughs> a step up. Yeah, we're trying. Like, we're, some people like rip us for our janky podcast because yeah. I'm like recording it on my laptop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so we're trying to step it up a little bit. We're how trying to that, figure it out. How'd that go, y'all? Let us know. Okay, moving right into things here. Yes, yes. We have more important shit to talk about today. Today is a very exciting episode because yes. we are... We are changing directions majorly, and that is a good thing, I think, after weeks of talking about these these families that are just, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you up at night. Let's just, let's just say that. Yep. And make you question your life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not just your life, your fucking everything, government, yeah. everything. So yeah, that would all fall into the category of your life. Just saying. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. But um, today we are going into the past, to the very, very deep past of this universe, and we're talking about the ancient Sumerians and their civilization, and the Anunnaki, and basically all basically how like the it Anawadi, began. The what? The <laughs> The Anunnaki, which we will talk about more later. Especially the Sumerians that, like, I feel like a lot of people don't know anything about. Um, Everyone knows about the Egyptians, but, like, barely anyone knows about the Sumerians. And the Sumerians are, like, honestly, in some ways more interesting, I think. Yeah, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, the Egyptians weren't popular, but these guys were, like, essential to literally everything being the way that it is today. And it's something that is skimmed so often in school or just or unheard like just of like I, I i honestly don't remember ever learning about sumerians uh, i don't the sumerian remember either civilization Mm-mm. at all zero no, i learned a ton about the mayans ton about the egyptians mm-hmm. but and like the um ancient the chinese too. uh cultures like the dynasties yeah it's weird how they just but they skip conveniently this one and this the is the sumerians. most like important one really um so that's my question going into this guys is like keep your mind open to why Maybe they didn't want you to learn it in school, you know? Oh, you're, I think by the end of the podcast, you'll be able to answer determine <laughs> the, the answer to that in at least some form. Because yeah. I know I did when, you know, when I started learning about all of this. But 
we're going to dive into all that today, which is very exciting. And, you know, I know a lot of you, we, it's been over 20 weeks since we last talked about ancient Egypt yes. on the podcast, which that was like one of the main topics we wanted to do with the podcast was dive into yeah. ancient civilizations and history. all the, the history and mystery surrounding them. So I'm so happy that we're finally here and back, you know, yeah. we're back on track. We're back on schedule. Yes, so we are. barely I was like hanging by a thread this morning. So because yeah, we're we want we love this stuff just personally like we, we spend a lot of time watching documentaries and shows on TV and on the internet about you know these ancient civilizations and stuff so this is just like a personal interest of ours and yeah. you know it's honestly really what at least for me gives me that like thirst and passion to travel and stuff so T totally you yeah. know like you want to go see this stuff after you yeah. learn about it you're like yeah, you really i gotta see this with my own eyes um you know so that i can get a better idea of what what we're learning about so yeah um, but yes, I, as you can tell, I'm very excited about this. So yes. we will hop right into it as quick as we can today. But before we do, we want to quickly just um, mention our favorite CBD products Yes, from BiolegalMeds.com. I wanted to mention it again today because this stuff is like really, really helping me, you guys. I can't tell you enough how important CBD is if you experience pain. I know you guys, a lot of you follow me on Instagram, and today I was posting about how we had rain today. You know, when it changes from really hot outside to rain, my pain seems to get so, so much worse. Like, it just inflames everywhere. So um, this is Activate CBD. This is from BiLegalMeds.com. And this this particular one is 325 milligrams. For the whole bottle. For it's the whole not bottle. not per dose. Yeah. No, not per dose. So you can add this to any drink. I'm adding this to my... I know you guys You're, are going to ask because every time they want to know what is in my Starbucks cup every fucking time. So this is a uh, dragon fruit mango refresher with coconut milk. And then I just add my CBD right into there. And it helps me so much, but doesn't make me feel tired. Right. Um, it helps me, especially even with ADD, it helps my brain kind of calm down and focus while we're podcasting. I can't recommend this product enough. I just wanted to, sh you know, shout them out again today. Um I probably wouldn't even be in this chair right now if I didn't have CBD. So. It's, it's basically been life-saving in a lot of ways and, and for a lot of people. And for Kendall specifically, CBD is, seems to be one of the only things that helps it's with her It's the only thing. I've given pain, up complete. So. I don't do any Advil, any of that anymore. So it, it really does work. And if you've never tried it, I highly recommend you do. It, again, it's 100% legal. You can ship it to all 50 states. And not just for pain, for anxiety. Yeah, no, I mean, for that's sleep. what I use it for. I don't have any pain, but for me, it just kind of takes that edge off. And I mean, I, I sleep. You want to like lucid dream and like astral project yes, and shit. Like dude. some cloud nine syrup will, will definitely help you get there. Like just because of all of the different herbs that are in it and yeah. the all the different sleep um, sleep stuff that's in there. It it. I have the best dreams. I, I swear by it. <laughs> I, I mean, every single time I, t I take a little bit of that before bed. Boom. I don't know if it's the best dreams for me, but it's the most like wild. Yeah, yeah. No, it's vivid. It's like dream. vivid, vivid dreams. dreaming. It's like yeah. movies. If you want just like unlimited movie rentals. <laughs> well, don't promise this. I don't know if that would happen for everyone, but both <laughs> of us have experienced this, but, that. Yes. I For me, the last couple of nights, I've been mad dreaming about being in school again. Like I've been telling Josh every morning, like, I feel like I'm in school and I'm failing. In my dreams, I'm always checking my grades online and like seeing that I'm failing everything. And I'm like, fuck. Dude, that's a horrible gone. dream. And what then the I'm like, oh shit, it's like November and I haven't even been to my English class yet. <laughs> I wonder if I can save it. Oh shit. That's <laughs> yeah, and then hilarious, In my dream man. last night, my manager was like helping me figure out if I could save any of my grades. 
Wow. so funny how the mind works. But um, Seriously, anyway, though, yeah, dreaming it's, is crazy. It's really the best stuff. <laughs> and uh, to end this little the reason, here, And the reason why we want to bring it up is because... Yeah, I'm getting there. Oh, you uh, are? Okay, well, sorry. I was telling them about our code. Oh, okay, go for it. We have a new code from Bilegal Meds. It is mile higher for a very generous 20% off. Yes. Take advantage of this code. I don't even know how long they'll have it. Who knows, you know? If that's a really good deal, and you will not regret it. You will get this stuff and be like, Kendall, thanks, Mama. Yeah, like, like we've real. tried a lot of different CBD products, but this is by far the best, and we're not just saying that because, you know, we work with them or whatever, but it is actually really good yeah. stuff. It's top-of-the-line CBD oil, mm -hmm. and it's infused into all sorts of stuff. They got fucking chapstick truly, if you want it. We have... We could be working with a bunch of different ones, but we love by legal mix. Yeah, I'll just yeah. say that it's my favorite CBD because we are personal across. fans of the product. We we use the product and we love it. So we thought we'd share it with y'all. So Word. enjoy, enjoy. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> thank you to by legal meds, and also thank you to all of you guys for supporting the podcast. Like seriously, it's been so encouraging. We are getting close to on our way to hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube, which is truly incredible. The, the listens go up every week. I mean, this has just been a literal dream come true, especially for me yeah. because, you know, I got into this with no idea how this would go. If, if this would be something that people like, I had no idea. I took a huge took risk a doing huge this. Risk. I quit my whole fucking job, my career, everything <laughs> I ever worked job. for, left it all behind to enchilada. come get woke with y'all. So yeah, you that did. You took a did. risk. You did. And it's gone great. And we are so, so thankful. We Very are. We thankful. love Seriously. this. We look forward. We have been looking forward to recording this specific episode for like days. Yes. No, we get very excited about it. And we, we really do love this. And, you know, again, we're not, we're not experts. We're not teachers. We're just, we're just normal folks that <laughs> just are interested in this shit like you guys you are. So that's all, that's all yeah. it is. And, you know, we just wanted to feel like a cozy hangout with us. Like you're chilling yeah. with us mm -hmm. at this table. So <laughs> cozy. Hangout. I hope you feel that. But yeah. Pour so thank you guys. Pour a cup of tea and get ready for the um, tea. Yeah. No, exactly. Get ready for the <laughs> this tea. This is the real fucking tea. You think the YouTube drama is the tea? No. The Sumerians have the fucking tea. You want the tea? You're right yeah, where you man. need to be, man. People are looking for the wrong things on YouTube these days, but um, <laughs> that's all I got to say. Amen. Like, there's Amen. <laughs> way more juicy stuff out there that, that a lot of people are missing out and they're out. worried about, you know, whatever else is going on in the world. Tanacon, you know, it's like, it's like, cool. <laughs> that, that was pretty bad, though. It I was. feel bad for people. <laughs> Felt it like was. burnt out. If we ever, so bad. If, if we ever did a convention, I promise you guys, it will oh not be like God. that. <laughs> we probably will never do a convention yeah, for true. this reason, though. That's true. That's true. Oh my God! But no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was Dude, crazy. People were burned. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, this on. is not about Tanacon. Okay, sorry. And shout out to all of you. I feel bad. Like that sucks. Yes. <laughs> Anyone who was there. Were any of our subscribers fucking there? Leave us a comment. Well, I'm sure there probably were some people below. that also like Shane Dawson, you know, yeah. listen to this. So. Yes. Oh, for sure. Guarantee there's people yeah. there. So <sighs> feel for God. you. I felt so bad for Shane. The whole thing was just so. <laughs> Seriously. I feel bad for everyone. Okay. But anyways, thank you all out there. Plus, as always, thank you to all of our patrons. Seriously. Couldn't do it without you guys. Seriously, we've we still have some monetization issues with YouTube. And it's very annoying yeah. and we really have no they, they just don't ever explain why anything happens. So mm -hmm. it's kind of a it's kind of a guessing game most of the time. So we do yeah. really do appreciate anybody that is a patron. Yeah. And, you know, that's why we shout them out every week is because they really do help support this podcast and keep it going. Keep it growing. 
So it definitely helped us launch this podcast 100%. Oh, we yeah. wouldn't have been able to oh, launch yeah. it without I mean, our everything you see in here, the studio is all Patreon yes. uh, support. So hell yeah to you. Yes. Thank you guys so much. And, you know, it, you don't have to be a patron to support us. Actually, one thing that really does help is if you could just go on iTunes and leave us a rating or review, it really does help us. Or review or rating on any platforms that you listen to the Mile Higher podcast on. So it does help. It just helps, you know, those particular sites promote us more because we're a highly rated podcast. And, you know, it'd be awesome to see, like, a podcast talking about the Sumerians and, like, the top ten on iTunes one day. Don't you think? That'd be cool. <laughs> That'd be really cool. So. Yeah. Today's or uh, this week's patron question uh, comes from Jen R and this is a, a Kind of a different one than normal because it's not <laughs> super deep But it's would you ever do trips around the country to meet with fans? I love you both and look forward to all your vids and podcasts from Jen R That was very nice, would but you ever do... they were wondering if we uh, we get this asked us a lot of you know Would you guys ever do meetup oh, or, like or tour. tour? Yeah, like a tour. We were actually talking about this the other day. We're like Maybe one day down the road, you know yeah, no, I would love to do something like that. I just, I, I don't, can't even think about doing that right now because I'm in so much pain. I couldn't ever do a tour or something or anything like that, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Didn't Miranda Sings have to like stop her tour because she's pregnant because it was like so intense? Yeah, it could be. I feel like I would get exhausted. Not that I'm pregnant, but <laughs> I feel like it. <laughs> Sorry, can't go on tour. Kendall's prego. <laughs> no, but yeah, one day if I'm ever like, if I get it together and, you know, I still, I feel like I will hopefully I'll figure this out. Then I would want to. Yeah, yeah I think it'd be super. It'd be to, super honestly. fun just to merely like travel. Give us an excuse to travel. You yeah, know, see the world the country even. And, cool. and just to like put more faces with like our content, like who's watching. It helps a lot to to meet people. Like it's always really fun for us to meet someone, and and that way you kind of have them in your head when you're talking. Mm -hmm. um, it really does help. It, yeah. it helped me a lot. I would love to do that. We definitely would do that. So I think it would be like a matter of finding a. A company that knows how to like set that shit up for us to like help because <laughs> I know that that's basically what people do Yeah, it's kind of the same idea of like running a convention, you right. know, like I you can't just like slap it together Right, <laughs> And I want it to be very secure. I'm like ever since Christina Grimmie died a few years ago That just really like hit me personally and I just feel like I need Ample security so I would want like a company to do it. So no one's hit us up yet so <laughs> But I definitely see uh, in the future us doing something like that because yeah. I, I think it would be really fun and obviously when you know the fact that we're into this there's a lot of other people that are also into this it's really cool to just talk this stuff kind of stuff with other people that get it you know that just understand right. where we're coming from yeah because some people I mean I sometimes I feel judged talking about it with certain people and you know I know some some of you have told us that and you know, sometimes people can look at you and be like, you're fucking crazy. Like, you believe yeah. this? Really? Okay. Yeah. You think the Illuminati is real? Really? Okay. So, you know, we get it. And that's why I think it'd be cool to connect with you guys. So. Yeah. It would um, be really fun. The last thing I wanted to bring up, oh, though. I wanted to bring up something yeah. fast, though. Hang on. <laughs> I just up. have, a, like, a little thing to say. I just wanted to do a little shout out to everyone who's um, written us letters or sent like really sweet little gifts to us in the past uh, like month or two. We just went to our PO box and I was just like overwhelmed by how many letters there were of people that were just worried about me and like my health and like people even sent really nice gifts. You guys know who you are. And yeah, so I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who did that. Like all of your letters seriously meant so much to me and I read every single one 
And I feel really, really, I feel loved and I feel happy to be here today because of all the love. Yeah, it's encouraging, man. It it definitely helps because like, I don't think a lot of people realize that like doing this where for us, it's essentially we're just sitting here talking to ourselves. Yeah. You know, and so it's really nice to, you know, make those connections with people and hear Mm -hmm. from you guys. I mean, obviously we get it in the comments and everything else, but you know, when somebody takes like the time to handwrite something or send something, it's it's pretty cool. So yeah, seriously, we do appreciate it. And if you're wondering, because I'm sure somebody will ask where they can find our PO box address. It's in the description of this video at the very bottom. So if it's in there, if you want to write me a letter, (laughs) (laughs) write me me some mail, baby. But yes, thank you for bringing that up. But the last thing before we get into Sumerians, I'm sorry. I just wanted to to talk about because because we had been, yes, it is our subtopic for today. Because we have been talking about this for the past couple episodes. Yes. And we didn't get to like update you guys last time. So, hooray. The yes, Thailand hooray. cave rescue was a success. And if you didn't know, everybody got out that was Hell, trapped in there. So, yeah. the 12 Thailand. boys the coach. So, very good news on that front. And obviously, I'm sure many of you heard there was one fatality and that was one of the Thai mm-hmm. uh, seals that had gone in there trying to bring more oxygen tanks to the stranded team. And he died as he was swimming out. He just went unconscious and then they tried to resuscitate him, but he uh, he passed. So and he was a retired seal. He, didn't, he, was he wasn't even required seal. to be there. No, so he completely volunteered to help. So I just wanted to. Um, just kind of wrap that story up because it was just such a fascinating story. I mean, there was 10,000 different people that participated in this rescue. There was 2,000 soldiers, 200 divers. There's literally representatives from 100, 100 government agencies. And something that a lot of people didn't even realize is that and something that had come out after because I actually did a whole video covering this in depth. Yeah, if you, you want to hear it. all the details and everything, It'll I'll, save I'll you link a lot it for of you. Reading. But yeah, I kind of go through the, the whole thing. Covered. But I didn't get this bit of info in there because I did the video before it was released. And that was they actually used plastic cocoons for the boys. I didn't know this. They brought these like plastic cocoons in and they would basically strap them like mummy style on these like little cocoons that would wrap them up. And then they would have their little air mask on and then they would swim them out because i i had assumed that the boys actually swam out like i thought so too dived out but they actually put them in these uh was that in your video cocoons no no it wasn't i know i I was bummed that this came out right after i put my video up but but yeah they basically like uh stretchered them out and so they they were were just taught to like breathe and like kind of hang out in there yeah they like hit their head on something well that's the thing is like there was a diver in the front of the cocoon and one in the back, so they would have to like steer them through without hitting anything, which I'm was sure was incredibly say, like, difficult. That would be so hard for them all to have swam out. That makes more sense that they were in there. Yeah. Wow. God, that's so weird, isn't it? That would be. That would feel so weird to be in one of those, just kind of like breathing and hoping everything goes well. Like, <laughs> Seriously, it's pitch black, dude. Like, and they I don't were, think any of us even have any idea no. what this was like for these kids. Like, they were in this will make one fucking good movie, which it say. is being they're literally starting to make a movie about this. <laughs> Shocking. Actually. Yeah, no, I, I know I, I wasn't surprised, but literally like the boys would have to be in these cocoons for 
40 minutes at a time underwater in like bone chilling water just like sitting there just trying to stay calm basically but they did say that they gave them anti-anxiety meds yeah they gave them some probably some xanax (laughs) seriously though that'd be crazy like chilling in there but can you even imagine that i can't even yeah to avert from panic attacks that's smart though they had to do that if they didn't do that the kids could have freaked out and then suffocated or broke killed everybody thing. involved yeah, yeah, yeah. the other divers they could pull totally. pull an air hose from one of them and they're mm-hmm. done dude that's like you have little time to, to fix that no it's an absolutely like astonishing story and the fact that everybody got out safely other than the the one tie seal is like just incredible that is because i think when we first all heard it we're like oh shit this is not gonna end well like, i didn't think i didn't think it was like i thought they were dead inside of the cave because i figured they drowned in it Mm-hmm. Like I thought the water caught up with them and they drowned. It's amazing that they are all alive. It's it's seriously incredible Seriously, and so many people risk their lives and there are so many heroes in this so bravo to all of you guys like cheers like that yeah. was that was Absolutely incredible complete bravery like I don't think I would go into a dark cave and no. dive underwater and risk my life to no. like try to like I don't know I just don't know that I would do that and I mean maybe I think differently if I was a diver, but I don't but know. If Even if I was, it's like to crazy. Do with your life, you know, protect people and risk your life. That they know what they're getting into. And this was like extreme conditions too. Like I don't think a lot of people realize how crazy this cave dive was. It was insane. Like these British cave divers that were like considered the best in the world actually helped with the rescue, and they said over and over again that this was like <laughs> one of the most difficult dives they've ever done in their entire life, and and this was just to rescue. Uh, these boys, so it's it's absolutely crazy yeah, what they is. what everybody went through and and how well it, it you know worked out in the end so Wow, <laughs> that's all I gotta say is wow and Seriously cheers to all the 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 heroes in this and especially the fallen Thai seal uh, Saman Gunan mm-hmm. So and if you want to if you want to know more about it definitely check out my video. I'll, I'll link it for you guys, but let's get into the Sumerian civilization. Oh, this is so cool, you guys. <laughs> this stuff is so fucking interesting. All right, guys. I'm so, so excited for this. Oh, get ready here. So it's known as um, the name Sumerian is the actual name of, of the civilization is the Sumer or Sumeria civilization. I'm going to refer to it as Sumeria. I, I know there's two couple different names for it, but I think um, Sumer, Sumerian. I'm just going to call it Sumeria. So. Sumeria. Many people agree that um, Sumeria is basically the first civilization on the planet, the first advanced in in an advanced in the sense of like caveman like civilization to like an actual organized society. So many people think this was this was the very beginning. Sumeria. That's crazy. And not only that, but they also many many also believe that. Uh, the Sumerian language is the very first like spoken language um, and it's considered to be a language isolated in linguistics that does not seem to belong to any known linguistic form. So they are like completely unique because they are essentially the first language. So with that being said, many people think that Sumeria, Sumer is where the very beginning of life on this planet in the form of human civilization began 
So the first Sumerians were known to settle in Mesopotamia over 7,000 years ago, as far as we know, which when talking about ancient civilizations, you know, these are like pretty rough estimates. Yeah, there's a lot of maybe involved. It's like, because you can't, we don't know for sure. And that's the way a lot of this information is, is like we can do our best to, you know, approximate the time. But 7,000 years ago, when you think about it, is a long time ago, Uh, a long, long time ago. And so this region known as Mesopotamia came from the Greek word meaning meso, which means middle and potamia meaning rivers because the two rivers in this area, Mesopotamia, is extremely instrumental in this early civilization, Sumeria's success. And the two rivers are the uh, Tigris. Uh, shit, where's the other one at? I just lost it. Euphrates? Uh, I, it's yeah, Tigris Euphrates. and Euphrates. Yes, sorry. Um, yes, the Euphrates River. So it's Sumeria is recognized as the cradle of man's modern origins, the first modern civilization, and the civilization literally exploded with cultural first and incredible human achievements. And a lot of the things that we're going to talk about, you're going to be like, "Holy shit, that's where that came from!" Yeah, you're like, "Damn, mm-hmm. I had no idea." Mm-hmm. You would, you're literally going to be like, "Why did I not learn this?" Yes. <laughs> why are these people not important enough? Seriously, to learn about? like, that's why crazy. is there not like a, at least a chapter? That's dedicated a conspiracy to in itself. Is like the education. Why is this system? being <laughs> sort of hidden? Jesus. So by the fourth millennium BC, uh, Sumeria had established itself with an advanced system of writing, spectacular arts, architecture, astronomy, and mathematics. And the origin of the Sumerians remains a mystery to this day. We still don't know where they came from exactly, or even who or what they were, essentially. We don't have any way of knowing exactly where their DNA came from. And they actually called themselves the Sagiga, which is the black-headed or bald-headed ones and their country, Kenji, civilized land. And some believe they came from around Anatolia or modern-day Turkey. Others, Other experts suggest they might have come from India and were Caucasian in origin. And they were actually established in southern Babylonia, so what is now known as Iraq, by at least 3500 BC. And like, and like we said, they were located in what the ancient Greeks called Mesopotamia, meaning the land between the rivers. And Sumeria was a collection of city-states or cities that were also independent nations, some of which endured for 3,000 years. So they not only were like the first modern civilization, but they literally had their own like countries or states, as we would call them, within it, which is pretty cool with their own sort of central building sort of like you know a town center yeah so, it was like so a they country. had like a real yeah it was like a real country yeah, or yeah. city or or state you know and beginning around 3500 bc the sumerians began to build walled cities including the city of ur which was the capital of the civilization it's literally spelled uh. u-r ur I think that's how you would pronounce like when that. When people are texting and they use your, er. they have no idea they're your. Yeah, yeah. they're like <laughs> talking about a Sumerian city. <laughs> that's really funny, actually. <laughs> so each of these Sumerian cities contained public buildings, markets, workshops, and advanced water systems, and were surrounded by villages and land for agriculture. They literally knew, like, they somehow had the skills and knowledge to not only build these like little 
states, these little individual little countries in their own area, which was Samaria, but they also knew how to create the first sewer systems. That was one thing about their civilization. Wow. They had a sewer system. Wow. There's literally like cities in like, I think like the 18, early 1900s. If you even like that made that sewer. a trivia question, like, yes or true or false, did the first ever recorded civilization have a sewer system? Everyone would say false. That's There's amazing. evidence to suggest that they had a sewer system in all of their cities wow. where they would run their waste to a central location. I think I think it might even been used because they also created the first like irrigation and uh, seed sowing like techniques and tools. Uh -huh. So they were the first to actually irrigate their fields and stuff. So they had they they clearly had to know some sort of like basic level of mathematics and like physics for that matter of like how do we yeah. get like the sewage to like flow, you know, and flow out of our areas that we want. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And they knew how to irrigate the field so that they could water it evenly and stuff how would you know that like especially seven thousand years ago like what? Se yeah that's the thing is like 7, that's what's so ago. crazy about is how we need to remember how old this is yeah like <laughs> that's so crazy though. this is the beginning of time this is like at the beginning of but like we're literally time. told and told in school that basically everyone was like kind of dumb bef before us like yeah. before the last couple hundred years everyone was like just like doing weird yeah, no, I know. Yeah. And, like, Everybody was just kind of like shit. tripping out constantly. Like that—that's the way yeah. they describe it. Like it was like and just struggling and confused and trying to figure. Barely it out, getting by, fighting. barely getting the food they need, barely surviving. I mean, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that people not only like these civilizations lived a long time and survived a long time because people lived way longer back then. People really? lived way, way longer. Yeah. Wait, where's your evidence for this? There is, dude. There's evidence. There's, there is evidence that people. There's some evidence I that it's people like lived hundreds of years. Now. No, no, we're getting way. What younger. if we're being told that and like we're all dying because of something <laughs> and they're not? That's what us. I'm saying. We're being poisoned. <laughs> oh, conspiracy time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, a lot has changed on the planets from thousands yeah. of years ago. But there what is. What if we're dying because of like pesticides and shit and like pollution totally. and all these things? And we're dying young. Our bodies are wearing out far. But then, like, we have evidence that our, we're also have, like, gotten older. But in, in comparison to, like, the last, like, 100 or 200 years, yeah. not thousands right. of years. There's a lot of disease. Hmm. So it, we'll talk about a little bit more okay. about it later because it becomes more relevant later. But I just thought I would plant that seed there because... Plant it. It's, it's planted. All right. So what's cool is that they had they basically had their own little city set up. And the political power was divided between those city states. So um, originally, I think the political power is with the citizens of uh, Sumer, Sor Sumeria. But as rivalry between the various city states, they would fight each other like all the time. Uh, so they would still so war, war between still, each other. Yep. Yeah. They would still war with each other over resources and stuff. So mm. they weren't totally like, and that's how Egypt was too. They would go and do stuff. So that's been around since the beginning because there was some other war at some point, too. Oh, but essentially, each city state believed to be under the rule of a local god or goddess and their temples dominated the town's architecture. And they built these things called ziggurats. And the most famous temple is the ziggurat of Ur. 
and here's a picture of it and it's huge and I would love to see it someday because it looks crazy that this was built thousands of years ago and they were able to build this the architecture is pretty astounding and honestly. Where, where exactly is it it's in Iraq I believe or in that region the Middle East Mesopotamia area it was three-storied 49 feet high building constructed wow. from mud, mud bricks in the form of pyram, uh, pyramidal graduated terraces and it formed complex of temples including the royal palace on top of the structure was a shrine dedicated to the god of that city so imagine this and th and this is thousands of years later this is what it looks like imagine what it looked, what like, it looked then. like then it must yeah. have been this gleaming beautiful oh yeah temple like it, i'm sure it was if layered this was, in a different if this material was too. where their god was and that's where they worshiped it yeah you better bet your ass that that was shit as good was as fucking they could get lit it. I was lit. Temple, was totally the lit. ziggurat of Ur was lit, dude. It yeah. was <laughs> literally lit <laughs> in every sense of the word. So, and this is kind of, they, so some people are like, well, didn't they build pyramids? They didn't, as far as we know, they didn't build actual like Egyptian pyramids, but they all have, if you all draw imaginary lines and look at the angles of them, they all create have a slant type these pyra uh, pyramidal uh surfaces or uh angles so it's really sad that this obviously isn't that popular of a destination for people to visit yeah because nobody crazy. knows it yeah that's like that should be on people's bucket list before the pyramids yeah i know well the pyramids are awesome too but like it's crazy that no this is sad like i feel like the Sumerians would be like what the fuck bro None of you guys are interested in seeing our shit. We were the first ones. Right. And everybody did all this stuff. And, and once you hear the rest of like what they did, we're about to get into developments and inventions. You will be shook because they like, wow. We're especially, so much more especially you would think again. Remember, this is the first advanced civilization as far as we know. So we have no clue how the hell they knew this information or how to do this. If you think about it, how? Fucking hell. And all right, let's get into it. So what what are the Sumerians known for? What are some of their inventions and, and some of the major developments that they created? And they were they took this shit very, very seriously. And <laughs> they did. They clearly did because they were trying to they were clearly intelligent enough to figure out, hey, we you know, they were already asking those questions of like, what is this? What's this? Does this have meaning? What is there something else going on here? Because Here's here's just a few things that they are responsible for establishing codes of law the wheel the plow the sailboat and perhaps most importantly our time the way our system of time works and the lunar calendar they came up with the lunar calendar which means they knew the lunar phases so that's confusing huh the wheel thing I thought like in early Egypt they didn't have the wheel yet or no. we were taught that they don't have the wheel yet They I'm pretty sure they had the wheel the wheel was invented before Egypt. Oh, yeah But the thing but it even states that the wheel was not used in in carrying heavy loads because the wheels weren't strong enough To, to hold right you couldn't so that's the thing so people would be like well They had wheels in Egypt so they could but wheel they it couldn't hold, it wouldn't they didn't work have like huge They didn't have axles. Wheels. They didn't have shocks. They, they weren't have, manufacturing a wheel. They were carved out of wood Dude that shit would break yeah. with like 50 pounds on it <laughs> and those things are what? Four tons or something. Yeah, they, the blocks were two tons. and a half to four tons. Yeah, I remember Wow. So they used sleds and even the Sumerians used sleds because clearly 
they they had to figure out a way to move those heavy materials in order to build these monoliths and temples and and everything else. So they, but the fact that they were like, okay, wheel doesn't work, it's too heavy. So what do we do? We put, we make like a sled basically. Yeah, I mean, everyone just like wants to say they were just a bunch of dipshits, and how did they figure this no, out? No, these guys it's were. Like, we are so taught wrong about how smart they are. Extremely. That's the thing. Yeah. No, I know you're exactly right. So they came up with the first system of law and this was hotly debated by um, Bible people that believe in the Bible because they came up with the code of Ur-Namu which is the first Sumerian uh, form of, of law it's the oldest surviving law in the world actually damn and the copy of shit on law <laughs> seriously dude they well they were like they clearly understood what is required in order to ha run a successful civilization because yeah. you need order you need law they had contracts too right? yeah they had for trading yep yep it's amazing they knew about about contracts yeah it's the They're earliest like, about to get screwed so like you are not gonna sue people unfairly <laughs> <laughs> they don't yeah so it's the, the early calendar is pretty crazy yeah it is crazy how the hell they knew that mm -mm. All right, so I just wanted to to talk a little bit about the law real quick. So here, here are some of the uh, rules of their code of Ernamu. One of their laws is if a man commits a murder, that man must be killed. Okay. Kind, kind of can agree with that. Fucking fair enough. I mean, you kill somebody, you get killed. That's just the way it is. <laughs> Two, if a man commits a robbery, he will be killed. Okay, that's okay, a little, that's a little, that's a little, that's a little, that's a little much. But back then, you know, no bullshit. So yeah, no bullshit back then. If a man commits a kidnapping, he is to be imprisoned and pay fifteen shekels of silver. That's it. That's <laughs> For kidnapping. It? Damn. Why robbery? Why is get ro killed? But kidnapping, it's like whatever. You know, just you know, go in there a little bit, and give us some silver. <laughs> yeah. That's damn. weird. Yeah. If a slave marries a slave and that slave is set free, he does not leave the house. Who is the slave? They had slaves. I guess. Who were their slaves? Just like poor people in the yeah, community? Yeah, I think they're just talking about, yeah. Like less poor people? Yeah, I believe I mean, so. I mean, yeah, less wealthy? Interesting. Yeah. If a man violates the right of another and deflowers the virgin wife of a young man, they shall kill that male. Wait, what? Wait, if a slave marries a native person, hand the first one sewn over to the owner. So a free person. So there's native people and they had slaves. Yeah, so maybe they, they must got have slaves, slaves from elsewhere, somewhere yes, else. They had to, yeah. And then which, wow. which would make sense. Okay. So you have to give so if a slave if you if I was your slave and I had a baby with someone in your family, I'd have to give my baby back to you. Yeah. That's to become weird. to become another slave, I assume. To become a slave. No, they want it because it's their blood. So it has half uh, native blood and half slave okay, blood. Gotcha. They must give it over. Gotcha. <laughs> so basically, if you're an adulterer, they kill you. Um, if a man proceeded by force and deflowered the virgin slave woman of another man, that man must pay five shekels of silver. If a man divorces his first time wife, he shall pay her one mina of silver. <laughs> You only get a little bit, bitch. <laughs> you get a couple pennies. God, not, not much has changed. <laughs> His first time. It's like, eh, your first try, it's like, yeah, let it slide. Hmm. Okay, so those are just some of the laws. Those are the some of the laws of the code of Ur-Namu, the earliest 
legal text that they used. Now, this this is perhaps one of the most interesting and exciting things about the Sumerians is their clear, advanced knowledge of astrology and just I love astronomy this. in general, and obviously creating the lunar calendar based upon the moon phases. That's pretty incredible. And they also like definitely had an understanding for the balance of the universe and the so- how the solar system communicates kind of with our planet and like how it all connects absolutely understood that um which is all astrology is like people always think i'm so like such a like a voodoo person for like (laughs) believing in astrology it's it's i mean the oldest civilizations believed in it and it makes a lot of sense especially when you look at it past just horoscopes i mean there's entire time periods based off astrology it goes it's very very interesting it is it's it's truly amazing honestly like Mm-hmm. I was a skeptic. I know tons of people that were skeptics about it and then really dived into it and tried to learn about it. You're like, whoa, this yeah. is way more accurate than I ever thought. Yeah. Especially when you see your whole birth chart and kind of understanding how it all works together. And it's like, whoa, mm-hmm. maybe there is something to be said about these giant masses in space that we are we are connected to in essence. And well, I've always explained it to people like that obviously for example like the moon affects us it it affects women's periods menstrual cycles Mm -hmm. it event it affects our tides like the sun gives us energy like we are very in tune with our planets more than we and i know those aren't planets but to them they were considered planets in astrology they are planets um so it's just understanding like just the effect that this giant body of energy has on us living here on this planet Right. No, I know. It's like, it's so crazy. And and I've heard things like maybe the, maybe the moon was here before the earth was here. And definitely could be. And obviously the moon is a very important piece to life on this planet. So you oh, know, maybe yeah. there's a lot more to it. And I think there is. And I think there's something more to all the moons of all the planets. I think there's a lot more to space in general yeah, than people think yeah. these just just rocks floating around in the middle of nowhere yeah, like doing nothing, having no There's more purpose to our setup than we realize cuz it all is truly so amazing how it all orbits and works together and how gravity works. I mean And and there's something like there is some order to the universe cuz if yes. there wasn't then why wouldn't these like planets and moons and asteroids and all this shit flying through space just erratically like fly into each other and they're like blow no, up or, exactly. you know like constantly there's something collide. divine like, about our universe there's something so there's something spiritual about it in mm-hmm, a way and mm-hmm. i think that's what they really understood and it seemed like a lot of ancient cultures understood that and passed it on and yeah that's why i fell in love in astrology when i like learned all that yes yes so it's absolutely mind-boggling to everyone the fact that the sumerians were literally the first astronomers who mapped the stars and they were the first to form different constellations which were later observed by the ancient Greeks as well. And not only that, but they knew about the five planets that were visible to them via the naked eye. So because that's the thing is like, how did they know about all this with no telescope? Like, yeah, how do you know? Well, they were I mean, I don't I still don't know just looking up at the night sky at first how you would ever know that just because that star's like super bright that you would know that that's a planet, you know, how well, would you know that? Like, well, you know, because it's not blinking stars blink. Planets but how would they know solid. the difference between a star and a planet? Well, they wouldn't have. I'm saying how you know now. It well, is. yeah, I thought you were asking. No, how no, I know, you know now. Okay, I know good. now. I'm glad asking... you know that, Josh. <laughs> how do I know? 
What do I no, look but like? For Some real. Kind of I have to like rip whip out my little uh sky view app to, to figure out map, what yeah. planets are and stuff. That's the thing well, is even like now Venus. Seem like I can only find But Venus, they knew though. there was five planets that they could yeah. see. And they knew like roughly how big they were and like how far apart they were. They like mapped out our solar system. Yeah, they developed a rudimentary cluster of constellations and also noted the movements of Saturn, Jupiter, Mars, Venus, and Mercury. They knew how they actually moved, how they orbited in the so sky. It's like, think about how profound that is. We're told that they were just running around. I mean, around many people to... talk about like Copernicus, right? Like Copernicus? Yeah, the first person to like see this in Galileo and stuff. As far as like discovering oh, the yeah. constellations. So. Well, yeah, Copernicus. Sorry, was the I did one not mean figured... to cut you off. That was oh, it's fine. sorry. <laughs> hey, we're married. We're gonna cut each other off. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you guys, better get. What used do you expect to it. from us? We're just Wait, Copernicus. Slow down. Sorry. Motherfucking Copernicus. Who? He is the one who said that the planets revolve around the sun. Right. So they knew that already, the Sumerians, because right. they have clear. Mm -hmm. We'll get to this, but there is evidence that right. they knew that the sun was the center of the universe so they already did know what copernicus knew right My correct right? correct right again um, no you're I absolutely saying? right i was saying something <laughs> now we got you lost no you got to think about like for them how how profound it is that they knew this kind of stuff because we're told that they were just you know evolved from basically cavemen they're just running around trying why on earth well, would they ever know what a planet is or what is out in space there's no way they would have just looked up at the sky and figured that out like why wouldn't they have figured out some other crazy story or something else to be beyond our planet or for all they know like it could have been flat the fact that they didn't think the earth was flat they clearly knew the earth was a planet and was round so like I'm sorry, but they did not just like figure this out, <laughs> right? I mean, we're, Without... we're being told like some bullshit about what they knew. So, so here's here's the academic version. As far as I know, I couldn't be wrong, but the academic version goes like this: There's the Big Bang, is how everything started, and then life just evolves and comes together and and starts on Earth, and essentially over millions of years, like worms turn into. They we evolve into eventually monkeys and then monkeys and apes and eventually into man. And then man eventually gets to this point where one day they're like, oh, oh, yeah, that's Venus. So wait, we they really How? want us to believe How? we just came from flatworms? That's like the we thing. Just it's like, like some dirt. That we're just some fucking like fungus. Like we're pretty smart. I no, feel like I we're capable of doing pretty amazing things. And I feel like in 100 years from now, that's almost going to be laughable. Because we're going to be so advanced. I don't know. Well, that's that's the thing about this is that and that's why I think it's been sort of censored in a way is because this completely like changes the, you know, official academic version of events. It completely goes against everything yeah. that they've they've said is the timeline for history since the Big Bang. Right. And they don't want to be wrong or change it. They want to keep it the way that's been for years now. Yeah, Where, for maybe for reasons we don't even know. Right, there could be some crazy well, underlying Obviously, thing. they don't want us to know that we could have came from space. I mean, we haven't even gotten there yet, but like... Or just, just or just gods in general, or even a god or gods or or deities or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Beings, whatever you want to call them. Aliens. If they were in fact, yeah, exactly. So maybe there's a reason, and I think there is a reason that this is being suppressed. And, and the, the oh, reason yeah. this, we don't, know more than we do about the Sumerians is because of this very reason that 
it, they can't explain it. Like, how do you explain it? How do you explain that instant, like, boom, evolution just overload, and they're able to, like, come up with well, all this information? Well, and then the RH negative blood throws a whole curveball in it, too, because they cannot track that back to chimps. They just can't do it. Yeah. Or apes or whatever. People always, like, are like, it's technically a this. And I'm like, fucking chill, okay? <laughs> it's a monkey still. It's all monkeys. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really quite amazing and and that's what is so trippy about them is like all signs point to some aid assistance from something. And we will talk more about what those somethings are here shortly. I mean, if you didn't already hear the bullshit version that you heard in school or from your parents or whatever, you'd like and you just were open to just think freely and come up with your own idea, I think it would align more with like we came from space, right? Right. Well, like, that's the thing, yeah. That's I mean, that seems more once you get it in your head, it seems like more likely or more natural than just like kind of popping up. Like, I feel like we definitely came from somewhere. It's just it's very hard to believe, especially if you, you know, especially if you have any sort of like spiritual, spiritual side to you to believe that we somehow evolved from a microorganism or something, you know, yeah, like like a bug, literally like a bug. <laughs> and in the time that passed, we went from this tiny microorganism to this extremely advanced being yeah. that can even sit here and ponder this and yeah. talk about this. Like, I know it's like, like what? my great, great, great granddaddy's a fucking flatworm. Come on, mate. <laughs> come on. <laughs> right, uh, okay. Come on. Seriously. It's, it's very trippy. It is. I love doing podcasts on this kind of stuff. Me too, because it stretches your mind. But um, so they use astrological symbols to foresee the future battles and positions of city states, actually. And that was the thing. And that's what's so interesting about their writing, which we'll talk about here after this. But um, they actually said that their month began with the sunset and the first crescent visibility of the new moon. It was seen for 18 hours after the 36 hours when the old crescent disappeared. The crescent was the thinnest of all its forms. They were the first ones to form a lunar calendar. Phases of the moons were used to count the 12 months. Sumerians had two seasons in their Sumerian year. First was the summer, which started with the vernal equinox, and the other was winter, which began with the autumnal equinox. So that was the thing that, that's so crazy, is they knew the procession of the equinoxes, which is crazy. And they knew that for the whole... Uh, I believe for the whole procession, it's like 25,000 years or something. They knew that. And that's, that's crazy. And it's just, it's such. It's crazy. We still fucking use it. Right. That's the thing is they, they found stuff that we use. rely on the and whole use. And wow. Some white guys getting credit for this shit. It's like for a lot of it though, yeah. like a lot of the, like they like switch it around. Like, all right, we give the credit to this guy, that's even though bullshit. this ancient civilization holds the answers sacred marriage uh ceremonies were performed on the day of new year's day and by adding an extra month after four years to every year they differ uh, differentiated between the year of seasons from the regular year the day consisted of 12 hours as it started and ended with the sunset so they completely formulated the calendar that we still use today and that's why on calendars they usually tell you like what moon phase is on and stuff. It's basically a lunar calendar. Yeah, no, it to is. To this day, it's that's what it is. If you well, look, that's what we're following. 
right. solar calendar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's wild, huh? Mm. Astrology is so fucking crazy. Oh yeah, it's just such bullshit. No, it's, it's so true though. Like the new moon is like a time where you're supposed to feel like invigorated and motivated and have new ideas and new project opportunities will come up. And I totally experienced that this last uh, new moon. Like I'm definitely feeling the new moon energy, feeling like motivated and creative and. It's just amazing to me. And isn't like full moon a great time to make babies? Like that's no, like... that's like a time that a lot of people give birth. Oh, like wow. recently they had like, what was it? I thought we talked about on the podcast like two days, like forty women gave birth in like the same hospital in like two days. Wow, that's and crazy. It was right over the full moon. Wow. And like maybe there's something tell to you, that. You ask almost any nurse, any of you that are nurses out there, or in the medical field, <clears throat> or in any type of job where police work or even being teachers you probably have more like misbehavior but there's supposed to be just like crazy shit happening during the full moon and like nurses always say that the craziest injuries come in on the full moon like the trauma unit is just like a mess wow that's so yeah, interesting like, all this nutty stuff happens. so it really does it really does maybe there's like literally some sort of like connection we all have with it it does no it's our it it's our emotion yeah. so it kind of like when it's big and it, it the, makes us a little little wiggy Dude, we are so connected. We are into this universe. It's well, when crazy. People say the universe is us. We are one with the it universe. Is. We it really literally is. are to the to the point where we are the sun. Just think about yeah. the, what the sun does for us. Without oh, yeah. the sun, we all are dead. The fact that we can draw energy from the sun, like you know, Josh and I have these little lights all around our backyard, and they use a little solar power little yeah. solar power thing and it's just amazing like this tiny little light is getting the shit from the dude it's amazing sun. that we can literally power the whole u.s with a like yeah. a barely any of the sun's like the sun provides all the energy we need it's our home star yeah it's our home star we just got to figure out how to build a fucking dyson sphere around it so you can fucking harness okay we're not shit. getting it into dyson <laughs> spheres right now because that's a whole nother fucking trip but it's crazy Here we go. keep going <laughs> all right Let's go all right. To divert, we need to re no. retrack. What is it? <laughs> Retrace our steps. <laughs> okay. All yeah. right. So, the Sumerians also fucking invented the num uh, numeral system in the third millennium. Yeah. Known as the sexagesimal. <laughs> sexagesimal. Sexagesimal. <laughs> sexagesimal. Sexagesimal. All right. We're not. It is named so because it has a number 60 as its base. They developed a numerical system based on the number 60 in which numbers could be counted on five fingers on one hand and 12 knuckles on the other. What? 12? Oh. Oh, fuck. We do have 12 knuckles. I didn't even realize that. What? Damn, why did they do <laughs> that? Everybody's counting their hand. Wait, we have more than that, though. Is this considered a knuckle? Two, three, four. <laughs> Five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine. Groundbreaking content brought to you by Mile Higher Podcast. You have 12 knuckles. I don't know. I have to recount that. Huh. Five fingers on one Okay, hand. this is not right then. No, that is not right. Wait, 12 knuckles. Wait, where does 12 knuckles come from? <laughs> I might have typoed that, guys. It might be not 12. But I believe it is because... I believe it is because they had an extra finger. No, Eight, good. nine, ten, eleven, twelve. What? Wait, what? <laughs> There's like fourteen. Everybody's trying to count okay, how many knuckles okay. he had. Well, Just you have. Just ignore that knuckles. whole part. <laughs> anyway, that's not even anything we use today. But basically, the number sixty can be can be divided by one, two, three, four, five, six, ten, twelve, fifteen, twenty, and thirty equal parts. 
So ancient astronomers believe there were 360 or so days in a year and a number which the number 60 fits into it six times. So that is how they came up with the 60, which is what we use for our minutes and seconds to this day. Came from the uh, Sumerians. They actually discovered this. And they actually uh, developed mathematics out of the need um, for bureaucracies that they had at the time. And they started to trade their harvests and invented taxation policies. So there was obviously an urgent need to track this trading that they did. Because that was the thing about them is that they were huge traders. They had a huge trade route that went really, really far. And they traded goods all across um, the land at that point in time. So they had to have some sort of numerical system to keep track of that. So they literally came up with the symbols and the numeral system, including the uh, it being based on the number 60. That's real. That's the knuckles crazy. thing, I think the knuckle, I'm not sure about the knuckles thing. Yeah, I was just Googling it. People don't even know that. I found a forum with like people debating on how many knuckles <laughs> we have. Like apparently Well, it's not let us know like if you have 12 stone. knuckles and maybe. Some people said 8, 10. Someone said 48. I 48? just like a troll though. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had 18 I for know. a second. I'm like, I feel really dumb for not knowing this. I feel like someone's going to go off in the comments. like, Ken and Josh don't even know what how many knuckles we have. <laughs> Go ahead, rip us for the knuckles. Well, apparently somebody else didn't know either, so. <laughs> All right, so another another thing they invented was a sailboat. And they did this um, in order to expand their trade affairs so they could sail to other parts of the land at the time. And they used wooden... That's amazing. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty crazy. Like 7,000 years ago, they were sailboats. sail, like, doing different types of metals that they needed and... Yeah, I bet. Tr I mean, trading was so much more important back then and like necessary. Right. You know. No, it was absolutely essential to their not. You know, just getting the things they need in their economy and you know their systems that they set up. So if they were really considered the first, and they were already like traveling and communicating with other civilizations, then who the well, hell? Well, over they? the well over the time over time, that's the mm. thing. Is like. Again, that, right. that's the thing this about it. And some people about. hotly debate that, like, because, like, the timelines, some of the timelines overlap. So, like, the Sumerians kind of overlap, I think, with the Egyptians. And, and things are very close to each other as far as times that other civilizations were around. Mm -hmm. But they were just here, we think, at earlier than anybody else was, is what we're saying. Mm -hmm. And, again, we don't know that for sure because nobody can possibly know that unless you were there. Or we had some concrete proof somewhere, which there might be. Yeah. So, yeah, they were able to craft sails and uh, they actually made them a square shape and used linen. So they knew how to spin linen, I guess, if that's the right word, spin it and spin make linen. sails, linen sails. Linen spinning. <laughs> linen spinning. I'm just spinning some linen. So they they use they use the sailboats for trade, probably for leisure, but they also used it for battles, and they this went on for years, and and eventually other civilizations use this uh, form of sea battle using the sailboats that they invented. Not only that, but they invented the wheel. The wheel we think was invented in uh, Sumeria at this time, three uh, thirty five hundred BC, which they would first just use logs of wood as wheels to carry heavy objects, but then they joined these logs and rolled them, making it easier for the movement of hefty stuff. And then later on, they invented the sledge, 
so that they can move objects farther, like we like we talked about earlier. They were also big into the f fabrication of copper. Copper was the earliest non-precious metal that came yeah. to use by the Sumerians. Somewhere in 5000 BC, they developed the skill of fabricating copper. And the kickstart of this process is one of the greatest inventions in Mesopotamia, which has also helped in the growth of various cities like Uruk, Sumer, Alubaid, and Ur. And they put the copper to use and made heads of arrows, razors, harpoons, and other little objects. This also allowed them to create copper spears, swords, maces, slings, and clubs, which was which was the pioneers of their weaponry. So they they already knew like that's I think many of us believe this that kind of skill especially with like developing copper weapons stuff came way later in history. You know, I think a lot of us think that they were using just like sticks for a long time. But some other things that they were uh, no noted for creating were maps. They created maps because they had to have all these advanced trade routes across um, across the various different countries at that time. And so they were the first ones to create maps. They created jewelry and makeup. Which is interesting. They they had had makeup wow. and jewelry prior to the Egyptians. All these beauty gurus should be thanking the Sumerians. <laughs> Kylie Jenna can thank her almost billion, billion dollar fortune. worth. On yeah, the did Sumerians. you guys? This is side note, but did you guys guys know that like fans of hers started a GoFundMe for her to get to a billion dollars? What the fuck is our world coming to? Nine hundred million no isn't sense. enough. Makes no sense. It's really bad. <laughs> anyway. They also created beer. Yeah, there's actually a lot of different recipes. Yeah, Sumerian they, beer. they had Sumerian beer on like it was written on their tablets. Yeah. So, okay, so I have a question. How come like since all these ancient civilizations literally carve their life, carve their recipes, carve the important shit into like stone? Why aren't we doing that? Because they clearly did that to protect it and to like like they almost they were thinking so far ahead. They like knew that there was going to be future people that won't know. What they were doing right why aren't we doing that right i guess maybe we're like storing it on like hard drives like all our information and yeah. putting it in a bomb proof situation like yeah. there's probably somewhere that has it so so like we're doing it in a modern way but this was their way of doing it right exactly well well you got to think about at the time like what is going to be best for thousands of years in the future yeah and for us thinking about thousand years in the future it's going to be electronic like it's going to be some sort of if we make it that far. if we make it but <laughs> no they were smart to record it in such a like permanent way yeah that could be preserved that could be Seemed like every ancient culture tried to like preserve their stuff but that is still like legible and translatable like thousands of years later it's yeah. pretty amazing or i guess there's there could have been ones that didn't do such a hot job and we don't even know about them yeah but what, what what's noted like noticeable about this is that they had all of these different things or created all these things that indicate that they like to party like they like to yeah. get down and enjoy life and enjoy Beer, the arts instruments 23, 23 different, different instruments. instruments that they use they created That's cool so they totally had community music. events and totally yeah, they're wow. drinking beer they're probably getting drunk there's probably <laughs> sex there's probably, there's probably like music playing it was probably like you know yeah some jersey shore shit going on like <laughs> they're like fist bumping yeah sumerians like, <laughs> like yeah yeah <laughs> Dude, oh my god, I wonder they if had they schools. had schools. They created the first schools. Yeah. They were like, all right, we got to teach these people. We got to pass yeah, on well, this knowledge. Yeah, they realized that that's how you grow the future. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> so cool. And they literally came up with the first written, uh, basically first writings ever. Yeah. In the cuneiform. 
isn't system it of writing. I've heard it pronounced different ways, but I'm pretty sure it's pronounced cuneiform. Okay. I've I've looked it up. Trust me, I've done the how do you pronounce cuneiform, <laughs> and they said cuneiform. Are you sure? Should I bring up a YouTube? It's video? not cuneiform. It's cuneiform. cuneiform. No, it's cuneiform. cuneiform. I think it's cuneiform. Okay, who cares? Anyway. But the Sumerian civilization recorded their knowledge in this language known as cuneiform, which consists of narrow triangular shaped lines arranged in various patterns. And the Sumerian alphabet contained pictograms, which are symbols that conveyed ideas and concepts in a way similar to Oriental languages um, in the way that they do it. So it was a mix of text and... and uh, Yeah, there's, there's like, like kind of a picture you can see below it. But, um, so it's kind of like emojis. Right, exactly. It was like, yeah, it's it exactly like, text like that. with emojis. Right, exactly. Interesting. That's exactly what it was. And this differed from phonetic values that were strung together to form words like English. And writings were engraved on wet clay tablets, which were baked and preserved. And they preserved really well. Yeah, well, makes sense. And it's been estimated that roughly around 500,000 of these clay tablets have been discovered, highlighting the breadth of knowledge the civilization possessed and the lengths to which they attempted to preserve it. So it, it sounds like they literally wrote down everything. I mean, if they have thousands of these clay tablets that they wrote on and wrote all these messages down, I mean, the amount of things that we probably would know about them if we were able to decipher and translate all of these different cuneiform tablets would probably be just mind-blowing like yeah. what we'd find on them yeah and it seems like no one's really doing that yeah no. so no one has looked at it in a well, long time yeah a while over a hundred years it says here no not not cuneiform in general i mean people look at it all the time but no but the tablets yeah yeah so oh sorry am i yeah, jumping ahead you're jumping oh, ahead sorry josh uh-oh uh-oh guys <laughs> oh no uh-oh i went ahead no, it's fine. I feel like I have to keep all the juicy shit in my head because you might have it later in the outline. <laughs> so this cuneiform form of writing would influence the style of the scripts in the region for the next 3,000 years. It was used by uh, many different cultures and it evolved into hieroglyphics that the Egyptians, Egyptians used. They used a similar type of picture with uh, symbols and things like that. Yeah. So... The first cuneiform clay tablet was recovered in the late 19th century from an underground library of King Ashurbanipal in Nineveh, Iraq, by Sir Henry Layard. And, and this tablet has puzzled scientists for uh, over 100 years. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> and according to scholars, this incredible yet controversial tablet indicates that ancient Sumerians observed the impact of an Aten-type asteroid over 5,000 years ago. The Aten asteroids were a group of near-Earth asteroid resonant with the Earth's orbit. And more precisely, this tab is believed to be a copy of a set of notes made by a Sumerian astronomer that observed the skies referring to the asteroid as a white stone bowl approaching. Researchers okay. now believe that the size and route of the asteroid tracked by the star map are consistent with the asteroid that crashed into the asteroid. Austrian Alps of Kofels, creating a cataclysmic impact, killing anyone in its path with the force equivalent to more than a thousand tons of TNT exploding. So if that isn't, if that translation is in fact correct, then that's fucking crazy that they literally observed a 
huge asteroid hit the yeah. planet 5,000 years ago. didn't they think that it like changed the shape of our planet? Like that after the asteroid, the planet was really different? Or at least like the land masses were different? I think, it, yeah, I think it could have something to I do with I was reading it. about that today, that that's what the tablet was saying. Okay, sure. Yeah, it's possible that it could have had an, I think it may have had an impact on where, you know, sort of the continents ended up and stuff. So, yeah. so the fact that they, the fact that they observed this and, and wrote down this detailed of events is pretty astonishing. So again, it makes me go back to the rest of the tablets and think, holy shit, what could possibly be on all these tablets that have yet to be deciphered? Yeah. If these are the types of events they are like recording like so there's a very good possibility they wrote down exactly how life began for them or who where they came from that's the thing we don't know where they came from like who are they yeah what are they <laughs> exactly. who are you the two dollar small me cafe is the answer to your day the question is whether you go with a rich caramel frappe paired with a warm cinnamon roll, a sweet caramel macchiato paired with a blueberry muffin made with real blueberries, or a hot chocolate paired with a classic apple fritter. Mm, 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 mm. Don't worry, there's never a wrong choice. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer. All right, so this is perhaps the most interesting part about the Sumerians and that is the origin of humans where the hell did we come from what was the beginning like how did everything come to be and the Sumerians seem to have a lot of information about that so what we found on an ancient clay tablet which was discovered in Nippur is an ancient Mesopotamian city created around 5000 BC we find the ancient Sumerian creation story called the Eridu Genesis. And according to the clay tablet, the creation of our planet began in the following way. And this is directly from this, uh, this Eridu Genesis. When in the height heaven was not named, and the earth beneath did not yet bear a name, and the prime, uh, primeval Apsu, who begat them, and chaos, Tiamat, the mother of them both their waters were mingled together and no field was formed no marsh was to be seen when of the gods none had been called into being and none bore a name and no destinies were ordained then were created the gods in the midst of heaven lamu and lamu were called into being so that's very confusing <laughs> but we will break it down for you so so basically the creation tablets state that our solar system was just starting to form and the planets had not become solid yet. So this is like going way back. This is like to the beginning, beginning. And an intruder planet appeared and fell under gravitational influence by the outer planets. It passed by Pluto, Uranus, and Neptune. The intruder planet began to travel towards the inner part of our solar system. Our primitive planet Earth was labeled by the Sumerians as uh, Tiamat. Tiamat, I think that's so how you say it. we live in Tiamat. Tiamat, yeah. T-I-A-M-A-T. And they explained that as the intruder planet passed through the inner part of the solar system, one of the large moons of this intruder planet collided into our primitive Earth, Tiamat. And the collision cracked, essentially, Earth in half, spewing out debris into the pattern we now see today as the asteroid belt. The Bible calls this the hammered-out bracelet. Hmm. And after the collision, 
uh, Tiamat was thrust into a new orbit and the waters of Nibiru intermingled with the waters of the Earth and life began to arise already whole and complete, which another term for this is panspermia. Ah. So. We've talked about that before. A lot of you guys probably recognize that. From which I, talks yeah, which podcasts. I've heard this too before that before there was this collision, it was Earth was essentially a super Earth. It was much, much bigger than it is now. It was like, yeah, that's way, what I way was bigger. trying to say that yeah. the shape changed before the collision. Right. Yeah. 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 You just said you don't know if that is true. Well, I, I wasn't connecting the dots to oh, this. Well, I was saying, okay. Okay. Well, I was right, wasn't I? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, so it was this giant super Earth, and it seems as when it collided, it broke off into a smaller version of what is Earth today, and the rest of it is floating around in the asteroid belt, possibly. That makes sense. So how did it just, like, jump back up into a circle? You know? Was that a dumb question? I feel like that was stupid. <laughs> You're asking me. I don't know. But, like, if it was a big circle and it was I hit don't by know. something, I mean, it logically, of, like, it doesn't make sense because it's like, how does it end up in a perfect sphere? But for all we know, the Earth may <laughs> not perfect, be a perfect sphere. I don't know. A perfect sphere? Sphere. <laughs> sphere? <laughs> yeah, I guess it may not be. Wait, I thought it was, though. I I think it is, but <sighs> I'm gonna Google it. <sighs> this is a creation tale, so just go with it. Okay. So I'm gonna look this basically, up. this planet of Nibiru passed off life to Earth via what we call panspermia. NASA has a straight up page called "What Is Earth." <laughs> it's the most highly searched page it, on, their planet, planet. on their home planet. On their <laughs> no way, I had no idea I was on the Earth. <laughs> I'm from Mars, bitch. <laughs> what are you talking about? So the Sumerian creation tales explain some of the very key aspects to our modern understanding of cosmology and possibly how life on Earth began. And for life to have evo naturally evolved here on Earth, it would have taken billions of years longer than the recorded Ooh. history of Earth. The biological process of a living creature to take in nutrients and expel waste is extremely complex genetics. And the idea that somehow life evolved on Earth from primordial soup and a bolt of lightning is just not accepted anymore. We don't buy that evolution shit. <laughs> okay, the Earth is not perfectly sphered. Just to let you all know. Yeah, so there's a possibility that it it's could kind be. of they describe it as a squashed, slightly squashed, flattened sphere. So there is a possibility that it's it is like that, you know, and maybe that's just how it went down. Like maybe it just fucking split mm. a sphere into another sphere. Maybe that's how it works. Obviously, we're not perfect sphere because how would we have the wobble and stuff, right? Right. My non-science monkey brain cannot handle this. Yeah, we're not we're not experts over here, guys. Okay, <laughs> we're like, uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, <laughs> on. Oh, sometimes you just got to sit back and just go. You know what? <laughs> I don't know anything. I literally don't know. Dude, shit. does anyone really know anything? We don't Come know. Come on, no one really knows what the hell's up. We, barely, we don't even know the point of life, so everyone needs to settle even it's down. It's like this is how it was. This is how it's gonna be. People are very attached to, to like knowing exactly what things are. You know. So, according to Sumerian mythology, in the beginning of time, humanoid gods ruled over a planet. When the gods came down from the heavens, much needed to be done on the planet, and they literally terraformed the earth in order to make it habitable, while they mined its minerals from the soil. 
Again, according to the creation story, Anu, the main god of the ancient Sumerians, saw that the labor on earth was too great. The son of Anu, Enki, proposed to create a species that would inhabit the planet and bear the labor. And so the gods created man. One of the ancient Sumerian gods was put to death, and they mixed his blood with clay from earth. Out of this material, the first human was created in the likeness of the gods. Interesting that it's about mixing blood, though. Mm-hmm. This and this is just this is a translation of it. This is just one translation of the of the Sumerian text. Because that's the thing about it, guys. It's like there's only a handful of people in history that claim to have the ability to translate this this ancient text. So you know, yeah, and it hasn't. I don't think anyone's a, translated them or had a second look at them in like a hundred years, right? Well, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with the way that we look at the Bible. Like the Bible's the same kind of thing, except it's been translated. And it's gotten to its current form. But think about how many times the Bible's been translated since thousands yeah, of years ago. It's probably been changed and and made to make more sense to us today. Because like when you read some of like the actual text for itself from like the Sumerians, like you have slaughtered a God together with his personality. I have removed your heavy work. I have imposed your toil on man in the clay. God and man shall be bound to a unity brought together so that to the end of days, the flesh and the soul which in a God have ripened that soul in a blood kinship be bound. Like that's so like clearly ancient text. Like, like that's just not the way that we would phrase anything today. Yeah. So it doesn't really make sense to us. So this is like, so if somebody has to interpret it, that that's what they're reading off of the tablets. And then they got to be like, well, fuck, how do we make sense of this? So then this is kind of what people are, you know, getting out of that Sumerian text is this story of Anu and uh, Enki. So the first human was created in Eden. Eden is mentioned in the Epic of Gilgamesh as the garden of the gods and was supposedly located somewhere between the Tigris and Euphrates river in ancient Mesopotamia. Eden is an ancient Sumerian word, which means flat terrain. What is extremely interesting in the ancient Sumerian creation story is the fact that initially man created by the gods was not able to reproduce on their own. This is why the gods modified mankind with the help of Enki and his sister Ninki. After the gods had modified mankind, so gen- genetically engineered, uh, Adapa was created as a fully functional human being which had the ability to reproduce. However, this modification was done without being approved by Enlil, brother of Enki and Ninki, which created a conflict among the gods. The conflict made Enlil the first ad- adversary of human beings, and according to ancient Sumerian texts, mankind went through an extremely difficult time while serving the gods. So as you can see, there's numerous similarities between the creation story of ancient Sumer and other ancient cultures and religions around the globe. But interestingly, in all of them, we learn that mankind was literally created by the gods in their own image. So that's what's so interesting about it and is so and is found among almost all of the major religions is this idea that mankind was created in the image of God. Like you see that in the Bible, you yeah. see that in the Quran, uh, Quran like as a a second to Right, exactly. Like almost a lesser being, almost. right. A lesser version. An extension for, of for a purpose. God. So Right. So that's that's the thing about this is like I'm going to I'm going to tell you a couple different uh, angles on the Sumerian creation stuff, because there is like, you know, you're going to when you start looking into the stuff, you're going to find different versions of the tale, the creation story, just like you find it, 
you know, with Christianity, you find it different from, you know, to evolution to all these different uh, theories. Everybody's got their theories of it. And, and there's a couple interpretations of the, um, the Sumerian creation yeah. texts. So in 1849, Sir Austin Henry Layard, who was an English archaeologist and global explorer, found himself among the ruins of ancient Babylon in southern Mesopotamia. It was there that he discovered the first pieces of what would eventually become one of archaeology's most controversial puzzles, which was the cuneiform tablets, is what we talked about, because this is where we're pulling this information about what they believed was the, you know, how creation came to be. Yeah. And within these incredible ancient texts are stories that have uncanny resemblance to the biblical stories of creation, deities, and even a reference to a great flood and a giant ark to survive it, which is interesting. Really interesting. Specialists have spent decades trying to decipher these intricate symbols. One of the more fascinating aspects of cuneiform script is the evolution of the characters from the original pictogram Sumerian language to the wedge-shaped strokes of Akkadian and Assyrian writing. But the idea that this ancient civilization knew of distant star systems and had interacted with extraterrestrial life started with a controversial researcher and author named Zachariah Stitchin. Stitchin. Zachariah Stitchin. So this is the guy that essentially came up with the ancient astronaut theory, which we'll talk about here, which I'm sure Not all like of the... you have heard. Hmm? Sorry, go ahead. Never mind. No, I'll, I'll explain what, what it is. But he... He is uh, a researcher. He does have a academic background. He did go to university, so he does have credibility to him. He's not just like, you know, the guy who created Scientology, like, because I can see a lot of people being like, sounds like the guy that created Scientology is yeah. some crazy author that just came up right. with a bunch of bullshit, you know? Yeah. Which, which some, some people think, bullshit. some people think that. So, because I mean, no one has all the answers. So, like, obviously, some of what he's said is probably bullshit. Well, he he was dedicated to researching and translating these ancient cuneiform tablets. But Stitchin's ideas have been rejected by uh, scientists and academics who dismiss his work as pseudoscience and pseudohistory. His work has been criticized for flawed methodology and mistranslations of ancient texts, as well as for incorrect astron uh, astronomical and scientific claims. So some of that which is fairly true from what I I've seen. I mean, you guys can make up your own mind about it uh, afterwards, but basically Zachariah Stitchin came up with the ancient alien theory um, that is ancient aliens. The show is all based upon, and it basically attributes the beginnings of Mesopotamian society to a race of beings known as the Anunnaki who traveled from a distant planet, 12th planet called Nibiru. And the Sumerian creation tales explain how the waters in Nibiru mingled with our Earth. So, like we mentioned earlier, could this be the answer to how life arrived on Earth whole and complete? So maybe it was basically sent here from this planet called Nibiru where life already existed. Because that's where this race of beings known as the Anunnaki are from. According to Zachariah Stitchens, of course. Hmm. And Nibiru, Nibiru being a much older planet probably has had a billion of years longer time for life to evolve. So it's a much older planet and or life to have arrived on Nibiru and then evolved much longer than life here on Earth. So it's very possible that, you know, maybe another planet or another, you know, another race or beings came to Nibiru a long time before that. And there's just been literally way more time passed in, in our universe than we even know. 
But the creation tale basically goes on to explain that the planet Nibiru becomes a permanent member of our solar system on a highly elliptical orbit. The Sumerians recorded this orbit to be 3,600 years to complete, and they called this a shar. A shar. A shar. S H A R. A solar year for Earth is 365 days to orbit the sun. Nibiru's orbit around the sun takes 3,600 years, so 3,600 years to complete one orbit. If Nibiru does exist, our modern science might be able to see it. There are actual Sumerian tablets that show a man looking up while plowing a field. In the sky, you see circle emanating rays of light, the sun, and a cross emanating rays of light, which is interpreted as Nibiru. The Sumerians were aware of a time when they could actually see Nibiru as it came close to the inner part of our solar system. So basically sitting that they observed that this other planet when because its orbit is supposed to basically like come right into Earth, like essentially like collide with Earth is what we think. Um, So they're saying that they were around long enough that they could have seen it come close to them at one point. Yeah, definitely. And I want to mention that that this has been this has been sort of a, a thing that's come up in recent times end of last year because there's other people that are like prophesizing that Nibiru was going to collide with earth and that we're all screwed and, and basically just make this all look like fake bullshit. bullshit. And they don't really even know what the fuck they're talking about usually. But NASA actually has written an article about a possible uh, additional planet. So a planet X essentially. Yeah. And they've written that they can't, they're saying they can't see it. But based upon the way that the gravity acts around this area out there. Which is like between Mars and Jupiter, right? Mars and Jupiter? Yeah. uh, Well, that's what I was just listening to someone. Yeah, it comes, the orbit comes through. Yeah. There's a lot more evidence for it than people realize, than I realized. We made a video about it. Well, that's the thing is like, and no, and we can't see it right now like we can't officially know that it's there so we we can't officially know where it would orbit through like we can't but there's quite a bit of evidence that it exists but according to the sumerians it's very real yeah and that it's just got a way different orbit than all the other planets do wow and so it's just remain hidden basically or maybe nasa knows about it and they just completely you know, yeah, a lot of people keep it hush that. hush because they're like, well, there is a possibility that every 3,600 years it could come and collide with Earth. So we can't tell oh, tell the scary. public about that, you know, mm. so yeah, people would freak. So it's very possible. I mean, it's very possible that Nibiru does exist. I think a lot of people say that's bullshit. You know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, people like that are like, you guys are silly. That's just like Y'all silly. That's just bedtime stories. That's just fairy tales. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe it is. So the Anunnaki, these beings from Nibiru, and some people have debated that Anunnaki actually means from heaven to earth came, or they came essentially. And the Anunnaki was a group of deities that lived in ancient Mesopotamia, which encompassed parts of modern day Iraq, Syria, Turkey, Iran, and Kuwait. And they were also known as the Jedi, the Nephilim, those of royal blood, and princely offspring. Hmm. Sumerian cuneiform tablets depict myths and epics that contain information about the Anunnaki. Among them include Enuma Elish, an epic that depicts the creation of humans by the gods. It bears resemblance to the story of creationism in the Bible. 
The Epic of Gilgamesh is an epic that details the Great Flood, which was sent by the Anunnaki. During the flood, the gods delivered instructions to build a ship to rescue a small group of humans and animals, which, as I'll talk about later, Zechariah Stitchin basically takes the Anunnaki from just being deities or gods to essentially aliens, extraterrestrials, and that the Ark was maybe perhaps a spacecraft of some sort. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that leads us to what is Zachariah Stitchin's, uh, tr- his interpretation of the Sumerian creation story and how is it different from sort of the more generalized version of the, on an, or the Sumerian creation story. So considered by many, including mainstream to be metaphors for a creation myth, the stories of the Anunnaki can actually be found in other texts, specifically the book of Genesis in the Hebrew and Christian religions, but with many of the names altered or changed. From the creation of heaven and earth, out of a watery abyss to the notion of being created in a higher being's image, and even in the familiar Adam and Eve and Noah's Ark stories, there is no question that these stories maintain eerily similar depictions mm-hmm. of the origins of our species. But the question is, if these tablets are older than the Bible, then what elements of these stories are myth and how much of it is true? Yeah. That's the real question here. Like how much of it is myth? How much of it is true? But what were they just living in like myths? Like their whole like. Well, it's just like, why would they do like, what's the mm. point of wasting the time just creating myths? Yeah. Especially myths that could what do be they taken have as truth. Just like, crazy what were stories? they trying to trick us? They knew that they were like leaving this as like markers for us. Is this like, like for a Sumerian film festival? Like the <laughs> Like they had a Sumerian Hollywood or something. Like, like fiction creating writings, these, like their own yeah. Harry Potter. Yeah, it's like it's, but it's, it's like goes with our actual life. If it was like stories about like lions with, I don't know, unicorns, unicorn things, or I don't know something crazy like that, then yeah. But like this seems so. This seems like just recording their history to me. Just and that's what, what their life was like. Right, and that's what Zachariah Stitchin. The I think way we need to stop it. looking at all these ancient cultures and just be like oh they were just missing they were just fucking around basically like well like even going back to some of socrates work it's all like or plato you know he wrote about atlantis and people for a long time just was like that's a fable that's a myth but now there's like a lot of evidence that it may have just been recordings of their history written in a more artistic language just just because that's how they were back in the day from the way it sounds, they were far more artistic than we are today, like as a collective society. Like, yeah, it seems like they were way more in tune with the arts. And I think creativity was like valued more like the arts and stuff. I believe so. Absolutely. And so, you know, that's that's essentially the way that, you know, Zachariah Stitchin, the way he interpreted it. And I think one of the things that, you know, at least makes sense to me for why the things are the way that they are is because. The current system that's in place and the current powers that be, they need history to fit in with their, you know, their version of events, their story, their narrative. They need it to fit there. And that's how they keep it and, going. And, you know, unfortunately, it seems to me like Christianity has been sort of hijacked and, and used as like their excuse for keeping things the way that it is and and trying to keep things based upon, you know, what Christianity teaches. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I think I think it's kind of helped things get to where they're at. Mm-hmm. And it's which is completely unfair to Christianity in a sense. Like they totally took it totally exploited it in a sense. 
And so when something comes along, you know, or something starts coming up like the Sumerians and the Sumerians are, you know, have a similar story, but completely different. And it makes sense. And people start being like, hey, this makes sense. Yeah. It's a threat. It's like that's a a threat to their version. So it makes so much sense why this is just like especially Zachariah Stitchin because he his school of thought basically concluded that not only is planet Nibiru real but that the Anunnaki were a powerful race of extraterrestrials with the capacity for gen- genetic experimentation and manipulation. Hmm. So this is the ancient astronaut theory, the ancient alien theory in essence. So if the Anunnaki come from Nibiru as the Sumerians have stated in their creation tales, they would have have they would have had to have a much longer lifespan compared to here on Earth. As an example, let's say someone from Earth travels to planet Nibiru and stays on that planet for one year. When they return to Earth, 3,600 years will have passed on Earth, but the person returning to Earth has only aged one year, if we're looking at it in that way. So this point speaks to the many of the biblical references with regards to ascending to heaven to enjoy a longer lifespan. Imagine if Jesus Christ was an Anunnaki and came here to earth and established his following. Then he leaves earth and returns to Nibiru for one year. When he returns back to earth, he is only aged one year, but it has been 3,600 years on earth. So they, so if our creator, whether you want to call it Jesus or a the, whatever it is, they like leave for a little bit for them, but it's like tons of times going by. For us. Right. And this is assuming that time so works like the same up a, for them. Setting up a simulation and like letting it run and like coming back later to check on it. Like 10 years would be what? 36,000 times 10. 36,000 times 10? Is that not what it was? <laughs> no, it's 3,600 years. Oh, whatever. Okay. So that times no, 10. No, it'd be a lot of time. And that's the thing is like, like if it is really gods or beings or extraterrestrials or whatever it's like how do we know that time i mean i guess according to them if that's the way that if time works the way that yeah, it does i'm then, saying according yeah. to them so yeah it'd be thousands of years yeah so it, it seems like more realistic to me that way that i mean like what if like every 3600 years like it sort of resets like it's like nibiru comes back the creators come back so they Start over, Maybe they want start to see fresh, how and doing. see how we're doing, and then start over or something. I don't know. Weird. That gets your mind going. So one of the more compelling arguments for this, um, this fact is that science has recently revealed that there's probably a global catastrophic catastrophic flood that took place about 10,000 years ago. And they, they found this out through uh, scientific research and drilling core eye samples actually they drilled core ice samples and they're actually able to see the water levels uh i believe after the last ice age it was like right around there and there was like the water levels were like like there was the earth was flooded totally which is crazy and i always thought like you know i i grew up religious and, and learning about christianity and of course i think everybody's heard the story of noah and noah's ark and you know in the bible there's a great flood that literally floods the entire planet and yeah. so we're basically confirming that that event did happen. Yeah. Obviously, whether or not, you know, Noah built a boat and put a bunch of animals on it and sailed, you know, floated around till the water receded. That's another thing. That's another debate. But 
the fact that there was a great flood is very interesting. And not only that, but the asteroid impact we talked about. So I think it's, I think it's very clear that civilization is a cycle. Yeah. And there's these cataclysmic events that there's sort of restart, of restart the cycle. Yeah. Which is interesting. So, yeah, the great flood is real. And I mean, I think a lot of people would probably, if you were to tell them like there was a flood 10,000 years ago that flooded the entire planet, they'd probably look at you like you're fucking crazy and be like, what? Yeah, they would actually. Like, or, or think that you, you know, assume you're a Christian or something like that. Cause I think most Christians would agree that they believe that, you know, the story of Noah was actually happened. So, yeah. But again, according to the text, some type of ship or ark saved a small portion of the human population while the rest perished in the flood. And after the flood, the Anunnaki returned to Earth to reign for centuries. And of course, this tale bears a striking resemblance to the biblical tale of Noah's Ark. And what's curious uh, and what's interesting is that it's possible that the Anunnaki used some sort of ship to rescue some humans from the flood. But what type of ship was it? Was it a large boat like the one in, used in Noah's Ark or could it have been a spaceship? So that's. Zachariah Stitchin believes that the Anunnaki were extraterrestrial beings that had the ability to interstellar travel. And so they were able to create a large spaceship, essentially. Makes a lot of sense. And save, I guess, who they wanted to save. I mean, and that's the thing is we don't, what's the purpose of the flood? Why, why have this flood? Does that make sense? I yeah. Mean, and that's, that's like where it's like, I don't know. Why would there be a flood and why would the gods want to flood the earth? Why would they do that just to like clean slate it? Yeah, maybe I don't know So where are the Anunnaki now? Where are they? And Zachariah Stitchin held a pretty unique view regarding the reasons uh, For the Anunnaki presence here on earth according to his research. He concluded that the Anunnaki um, Reigned on the planet earth for thousands of years. They were here for thousands of years apparently and they obviously arrived from the planet Nibiru, which Zechariah Sitchin believed 100% existed in our solar system well outside of Neptune and Pluto's orbits. And that the first Anunnaki arrived on Earth probably 450,000 years ago, looking for minerals, especially gold, which, according to him, they found and mined in Africa, which is interesting because you always wonder, like, when talking about why would an ex like why would an extraterrestrial interstellar race want to come to earth like what would it be their purpose yeah why? why why leave their planet and come here why go through all the trouble to do that yeah it doesn't make sense so according to zachariah stitchin he believes they came here for the gold mm. that gold is somehow an important resource to the anunnaki beings interesting god i wish i could like have the answers to all this but the fact that he believes they arrived 450,000 years ago, that's that's way... So they were here far before the uh, the Sumerians, which makes me wonder, like, is it possible? If this is... If we just think for a minute that this is the true story to things, then maybe... Maybe, and this, there's... I believe there's others out there that, that follow this, this train of thought that I'm about to say, and is that, again... There have been ages to the planet. There's been like ages to the earth where there's been a full circle of civilization, possibly to an even more advanced point of civilization than we've even achieved now. In the past, over these 
thousands and thousands of years, millions of years, billions of years potentially. What if there's been hundreds of thousands of civilizations, advanced civilizations, maybe different variations of humans, or even completely different beings altogether that have lived on this planet? I mean, I think that would make a lot of sense. For thousands of years, but then the gods the or the, the Anunnaki or whoever you want to call it. Takes them out. Starts over and resets it. Mm. <laughs> Crickets. Crickets. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just kind of like it's crazy. a lot to it, think it's about. It's very confusing because I like feel like I've heard so many different like versions of how long everything's been around and. Oh, like yeah. The Great Year, I think, is way longer than just like a couple thousand years. It's the like 20, great, 20, it's, like, it's I thought over, it was 24,000 years. Yeah, it's like 24, 25, or 26,000 years. It's something like that. I don't know. And then, like, I don't know. It's very confusing to me, all of this. But it's interesting that all the ancient cultures sort of all come back to the same idea of, of this, these stages of civilization and oh yeah on this planet well, that's like, like the you can go back i think go back to the hindus too. the buddhists like they all have the same sort of idea that it's a cycle it's like this cycle that goes around so that's what it seems like but zachariah stitchin stated that these gods or anunnaki were the rank and file workers of the colonial expedition to earth from planet nibiru and it's a theory that has been ruled out as quite simply preposterous by academics and peer-reviewed archaeologists around the world since it was first proposed and there are many ancient alien theorists who refuse to consider stitchin's contributions due to his lack of empirical evidence and the fact that his his is a translation of the tablets that many cuneiform experts do not agree with so that's something to keep in mind is a lot of people disagree with him a lot of people including even some other ancient astronaut theorists which if you've ever watched ancient aliens they've probably talked about um, these cuneiform tablets and and these creation tales on there But it's worth mentioning that when you look when you start looking into the stuff Especially Zachariah Stitchin one of the first sites that comes up is Stitchin is wrong.com. Yeah, <laughs> and this website Claims that Zachariah Stitchin completely made up these translations to fit his narrative Because at the end of the day he did write a bunch of books and sold millions of copies of the story of the his version of what he is saying how things went down except the fact that he believes it's like fact like this is the his, the real history so crazy but even to this day many modern researchers believe that some of Zechariah Stitchin's work is legitimate and could be used in help in translating other tablets by creating a context for the names and stories of these ancient people so the question of why the Anunnaki came to earth is a topic that's highly debated and I'm sure we'll probably get comments of people that are telling us are telling different theories because the thing is there's there's all sorts of interpretations Tons of people have looked at these and come up with variations for what they believe the creation tales were so by no means are Do I have all the answers with this or you know, this is just some of the more popular ones. I think that are out there, but Yeah, it's again. It's a theory guys. It's a theory you can theorize any which way you want but some of the theories include that the Anunnaki came to Earth to look for gold to mine in Africa. And there's actually is evidence of gold mining in some parts of Africa, which would support this theory. Mm. Another theory is that they created the modern human race for their own benefits, specifically to mine for gold. <laughs> I'll die if that is the truth about it. You guys. <laughs> so we're slaves. Basically, we're slaves. For 
for our purpose. What is the meaning of life? We're just slaves. You were literally made to mine fucking gold. <laughs> well, I, we've done a shitty job. The gods are not going to reward us <laughs> if that's our purpose. Oh, that's going to suck if that's the purpose. That would suck. <laughs> I feel so pointless. I haven't mined any gold. Because the thing about it is like a lot, there are, there are a decent amount of people that believe that we are genetically engineered hybrid beings of this Anunnaki race and earth animals, essentially earth animal DNA, which is how they created humans. Or maybe the Anunnaki were just sent to watch over humans. Maybe they're here to just kind of like watch out for us in a way because they're our creators. They're here watching over us, which could be. Yeah, that definitely could be. But there's actually a researcher um, named Michael Tellinger who claims to have found forensic evidence to support many of the unsubstantiated claims that Stitchin made in the last century. Michael Tellinger holds that there is, in fact, evidence of gold mining in parts of South Africa and that some of the references in Stitchin's translation of the Sumerian text can be attributed to actual places there with landmarks and megalithic structures that fit the narrative perfectly. The Sumerians are renowned for their sophisticated astronomy and mathematical abilities, which was allegedly passed down to them from the Anunnaki, according to Zacharias Titchen. Which, hey, at least he's providing a solution to that question or an answer to that question, because I think I think that's the most that's the biggest mystery to the Sumerians is like how did they know this stuff? How did they figure it out? I know. How did they create all this stuff with no help, unaided? What were they aided by? That's the biggest mystery here. Yeah. So. God. Like, I think the thing that trips me out the most is their knowledge that planets were orbiting a sun. With no telescope, no, as far as we know, no device that could enhance their view. How? How? The fuck did they do that? Were they like astral projecting and like flying through space, like seeing them for themselves? No, like no what way. was going on? How did they do this? They had, I mean, it's so obvious we got info from someone so, because unless they were fucking astronauts themselves and they went up there and saw it all right or they had a way of sending a device up there to film it how would they have known obviously someone wouldn't help them something helped them or they were this like perhaps they were like a different type of species than us like maybe they're just a different they're like this hybrid being if in fact they are a hybrid being of of the anunnaki maybe they have this ability to i don't know this ability to see more than we can see or, or know more or maybe that all of those things were already known by the Anunnaki and we just took the things that we knew that they gave us and put them into play and put them into use. It's just so crazy. That's like the biggest mystery, I think. Because in addition to astronomy and mathematics, the Sumerians had a deep understanding of energy fields, which is also... Um, we also believe the Egyptians did too, because they clearly knew, they clearly had enough knowledge to understand. Like it's so obvious that they understood that there is this energy field around yeah. the Earth, whether it's Earth's magnetic field, but there's a source of energy that it seems that they tapped into, or maybe this is where they get the knowledge from. Maybe, maybe it's not gods, or maybe it's just this energy that exists around the planet around all the planets around the universe it's just this energy that makes up all of us it makes up atoms it makes up everything it's literally the lifeblood of the universe this energy and maybe it's like we 
as humans through or our consciousness is somehow or our soul is somehow plugged into this energy field and it feeds us these ideas that's trippy because i mean think about it like how do people even get ideas to do stuff to build stuff where do those ideas come from i don't know come from the ether but that like what's the ether you know it's like it's it's so (laughs) mind-blowing it's mind-blowing it seriously is it blows your mind thinking about because it's like how did we get this stuff did we just literally think this up out of nothing like where did it come from it had to come from somewhere it originated from somewhere it had to yeah and then the fact that they they took this knowledge and had the ability to create the technology to construct these ziggurats and monoliths in accordance with the stars and just like the Egyptians, they I'm can just align them with at constellations. How much of a society they had going to, like how many like rules and way more advanced than you even thought. Yeah, way more. I think we all thought they were just like cavemen walking around, like <laughs> dab, dab, like fighting dab. and killing each other. Yeah. <laughs> That's mine. Like That's mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mine. Uh, mine. Mine. You know, you know, like that's how we think yeah. of it. as a kid, especially you think yeah. about this. You're like, they're just a bunch of dummies. Like Dave the Barbarian. Yeah, exactly. You think of that. And like that, <laughs> like, I think that's literally how they want you to think about history being is like just this like extremely un- like unadvanced, just primitive society. But that's not, the, not case. the case. They had knowledge that we have right now and had structures and architecture and arts, music knowledge of the the space and caught like the cosmos it's like what the hell what how did they know this shit what the hell what the i mean like it's clear it's clear that the ancient sumerians (laughs) if the anunnaki were real and gave them this knowledge had a clear deep fascination and respect for them yeah because they did praise them as gods and they credited the Anunnaki for their advanced knowledge. But with no concrete record of how the Anunnaki arrived in Mesopotamia, it's quite possible these intelligent beings did indeed arrive from another world as described in the ancient texts, according to Zachariah Stitchin. And why did they feel the need to give us such powerful knowledge? Was it a generous gift or is there some other motive or is there some ulterior motive? Like why? Yeah. And did yeah. they ever leave? Like, did the Anunnaki ever leave? We don't know. Perhaps they're still walking among us, for all we know. They totally could be. Like, what if they were? Like, what if they're I fucking know. here right now? And like, they. I know you been... said that the other day. The whole like people always think about gray people. You know, think right. that when, aliens think... are little gray things, and they're they could be just like us. And I think it would make a lot of sense. I mean, I'm sure we're similar to them if we really are half their DNA. Which I didn't get to bring this up, but Sumerians also like had this one symbol that is repeating in their their tablets over and over again that looks like a it's like a snake interwinding mm-hmm. and a lot of people think it's dna that they had knowledge of like dna and and if we really were created you know if aliens assisted in altering our dna or something yeah, like that yeah. um you know clearly they had some they knew i mean they, they had the ability to genetically engineer things yeah and they would have like awareness it's I, just very interesting it's I mean, it's not, I don't think it's totally ridiculous to consider that at all. But the the thing about it and the thing that's so frustrating about the, the Sumerians just in general is, is the fact that 
cuneiform experts are few and far between and there are a thousand tablets like we said 500,000 tablets yet to be dated and deciphered in order to draw a definitive conclusion about the nature of these creation stories and historical information and regardless of whether or not it's true this is obviously an extremely fascinating theory and worth exploring further like you know like if maybe Zechariah Stitchin was dead on like he got it dead on and it's just so like different from what our perception of history was like that it just freaks us out so we we want to you know make it fit the way that we look at things now you know so <laughs> totally totally sucks maybe i should go into cuneiform <laughs> study <laughs> i want to yeah, go into it i'm just going to start trying to learn that <laughs> all right so to play devil's advocate because i think it's important to always have some bit of skepticism with things let's talk about stitchingiswrong.com for a sec stitchingiswrong.com and again like anybody that goes out of their way to like make a whole website like trying to like debunk somebody's like clearly has some sort of uh, something to to prove here so the guy that runs the site is named dr michael heiser and he has a phd in hebrew bible and ancient uh, semitic languages from the university of wisconsin madison so he is essentially a Bible, he's a Bible expert and clearly believes that the Bible's probably fact, honestly, it seems like. Yeah. So here's, here's I'm just going to read some of the things that he said about uh, some of the things that Zachariah Sitchin talked about. So Nibiru. So according to Dr. Heiser, he says, unfortunately for Stitchin and his followers, the answer to um, each of these questions is no. But how do I know? The cuneiform record in such texts as the astronomical text known as Mole Appen, the plow star is what it's known as. He says that basically Zechariah Stitchin's translation, um, which includes the following information, the actual cuneiform record in which he believes this information is found doesn't exist, essentially. That there is no, that Nibiru is completely made up and that Nibiru's connects with the Anunnaki as well as Nibiru cycling through our solar system every 3,600 years. So basically he's saying there's no record of this in this particular um, cuneiform text, mm. which is possible. I mean, I don't know. I can't read this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe he's right. But he also said Mr. Stitchin is making up the Anunnaki. And he said he claims that in all of the translated Sumerian texts, there is no mention of the word Anunnaki. Which is interesting, and the way that yeah, he, that is. Where did that come from then? Right. It's... Well, that's the thing is we don't know. Oh. I mean, it, he's Zachariah Stitchin is the one that brought that forward, the Anunnaki, and it never says anything like that. Well, that's the thing, and there supposedly there's a site where you can actually search some of the Sumerian texts that have been electronically translated, and you can search it like kind of like a library. They should all be able to be translated. That's really but that's weird. the thing is like, how do we even know the people who are translating it know how to translate it? They probably don't. Like, it seems like it's a lot of guessing because like yeah, it is. nobody was like, nobody should know how to do that. Like, how, how no. would they know? So exactly like, like, oh, this guy lived in Samaria. So he knows how exactly like how, how? does anyone fucking really know? Unless literally I'm somebody sure our, can prove our there's are like, wrong, like our translations of it are somewhat wrong. Uh, that's the thing. And that and honestly, like only they would fucking know. Right. The dudes who wrote it. Or if there was like some descendant of the Sumerians that like had learned how to read it over, you know, over the thousands of years, then that could be another scenario. So 
when talking about all this, I think you have to take it all with a grain of salt because it's like there's a possibility that, yeah, Zachary Stitching can be completely making up this whole story about the Anunnaki and Nibiru and everything else. But there's all, you know, on the flip side, he could also be 100% correct. So, you know, which mm -hmm. is it? <laughs> so he also goes on uh, to talk about um, Genesis, uh, the book of Genesis in Mesopotamia, uh, Dr. Heiser does. And he says that one of the great myths perpetrated by Zachary Stitchin and those who promote his material is that the material of Genesis book uh, chapter 1, verse 11, and other parts of the Bible are borrowed from the Sumerians and, and Akkadians. This was the predominant view in biblical scholarship nearly 150 years ago, but the idea now has been abandoned. The reasons are several. More is known today about the Sumerian and Akkadian. These, these languages were just beginning to be deciphered and studied in the mid to late 19th century. Scholars today have a deeper understanding mm -hmm. or a deeper knowledge of the linguistic disconnections between those languages and material in Genesis than ever before. So we need to relook at this shit. It, I mean, that's the thing, and is we need to relook at everything. We need to look. <laughs> We need to relook at yeah. We need a whole everything. Another fucking look at it. Everything all. life as we know it needs to be reevaluated. Because <laughs> I know some people think it's so set in stone and figured out. <laughs> That's so funny. That's funny that people think they know what they're doing. So basically, this guy is a Bible scholar, and he goes on to say that Zachariah Stitchin basically came up with a lot of things from the Sumerian text that go against what the Bible says. So because a lot of a lot of people consider the Bible as like historical fact, which I don't believe it's necessarily historical fact. Is there historical, you know, is there timelines and references and names and things like that that line up with uh, history? Absolutely. But I, I personally don't believe I've read the Bible several times cover to cover, actually. Damn, really? Yeah. Yeah. I've read, read it at least twice. Thing? Yeah. At least twice in my life. I have. Yeah. Twice at least. The whole Bible. Wow. When I went to Sunday school with my friends, like I would read maybe a sentence and give up. It's hard. To, I mean, well, that's the thing. And you like, can get different versions that are this? easier to read, too. That's what's interesting. Oh, do they have that? There's that's like smart. the King James version, which is harder to read than like the new. Is there uh, like a Bible for dummies, though? That's just like in normal words. Oh, yeah. There's picture Bibles. I had a picture Bible when I was a kid. <laughs> I actually. did, too. I had one that was drawn by other kids and they were like submitted. Oh, oh I used to cool. love that. Yeah. So, well, that's the thing is like, again, there, there's many translations of it. So like, what did the Bible look like in its raw form? We don't know because nobody has that. Well, it's raw form must have been. It's not like it was a bound little book. No, it was pieced together, obviously. Yeah. It so wasn't like the Bible the was, was it whole. Before? It was just right. like probably tablets, dude. Yeah. So well, if stuff. you go back to the story of Abraham, he had the, uh, the tablets that contain the Ten Commandments from God. God wrote on tablets, stone tablets, saying, yo, here's the laws to the land. <laughs> One, two, three, Take five, it to your people and spread the word. <laughs> here's what you can't and do. And people still follow the Ten Commandments today. <laughs> thou shalt not, Somewhat. thou shalt not, thou shalt not, you know, all what is of that. It? Thou shalt not kill. It's, Isn't it's one of them, the same like, things as the not... Code of Uru, Namu. We're same not doing type a very stuff. good job of following the commandments. As a society. <laughs> no, dude. Everybody sucks at the commandments. <laughs> that was the point. But the commandments were thousands of years ago. Mm. Going all the way back to like ancient Egypt, Egypt Egyptian times. Yeah. Because that was about the time that like Abraham or that was before mm -hmm. that, I think. But that's the thing is like 
There's Seems a like lo- it all links back to something older all, than that. Right. All of it goes back to like a central point that we just don't know for sure what it was. But all these religions and civilizations all kind of run parallel with each other and they all share these similarities. But the people, these biblical scholars don't like when others come forward with new ideas and new versions of events to history and especially religious views and gods and deities because the bible clearly makes it that it's a monotheistic religion one god there's only one god there's not these multiple deities there's not extraterrestrials it's god man so that's why i think this guy has it out for a stitch and is i think he's like i'm gonna make sure i squash this guy like a bug so he can't you know so people know when they go searching they're like okay now i can see the the refuted argument so here's a few other interesting things about the ancient sumerians you may not know one of the larger sumerian cities actually may have had eighty thousand residents which doesn't seem like a lot of people in, in in modern times but back then that's a lot that's a lot of fucking people before population got out of hand yeah got really out of hand but major Sumerian city-states included Iridu, Ur, Nippur, Lagash, and Kish. But one of the oldest and most sprawling was Uruk, a thriving trading hub that boasted six miles of defensive walls and a population of between 40,000 and 80,000. At its peak around 2800 BC, it was most likely the largest city in the world at the time. Hmm. Like we've been saying this entire podcast, the Sumerians believed in multiple gods and deities. And the main gods worshipped by the ancient Sumerians were Anu, the god of heaven, Enlil, the god of the air, Enki, god of knowledge, Ereshkigal, goddess of the underworld, Inanna, goddess of warfare, Namu, Ninhursag, Nana, god of the moon, and Utu, god of the sun, among others. And what's interesting is, again, look at all the ancient civilizations, they all have just different names, but essentially they could be talking about the same thing. Same thing, like... The same they could gods. be, you know, uh, what is it? N- Nina? <laughs> Which was the god of the moon? Nana? Nana. That'd Nama. be like Apollo yeah. for the Greeks. Right. And the Egyptians had, um, they had their, you know, the sun god. God, I'm blanking on the names, but um, they Ra. all have Ra. Yeah, right. Ra, exactly. It's interesting that they had like gods of. Of these different. Of them. yeah. And especially of these astrological entities and it's like in all these texts it seems like the sun and the moon are so profoundly important like in a lot of these cultures for like like we have there's always a god of the moon or a god of yeah that's what i'm saying is like there's always so much significance put in to the cosmos and i mean if you think about it though like the moon and the sun are such a huge part of our daily life here we see it every day it's part part of the it's how we know solar system that we do time. get to see how we fucking yes. know what day it is right it gives us Did the life. sun we've already talked about it like a bunch on this podcast i guess but <laughs> how important it is and it seems like the older cultures really understood that and like worshiped the sun and worship and they should we should be fucking worshiping the sun, seriously honestly. thank god we have it or else we'd be dead and we should be utilizing it yeah we should we should be yeah, utilizing it's like disrespectful it. honestly that we yeah. have that ability we know how to use it and we're just fucking not and it's not our fault like the average right. person's fault like we clearly right. we can go back horrible to the five fucking corporations fucking that, five families yeah talk the way again. they set it up right but yeah they set it up 
so that we go away from this old, what they considered ancient forms of living, and instead made God money, or made, made God money, made <laughs> money their God. They essentially yeah. flipped it. And well, they made it so that we we treat money as a god. God, like money, is like our main objective as but humans. But some people Most worship people. that shit, man. Oh yeah, for sure. So for many, it could be considered their god. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Money is the thing they think about when they wake up. Money is what makes the about. world go round, dude. Right. If that's not a god, then I don't know what is. Right, and clearly, if we're looking at society from the beginning, that's not something that we should be doing. Like no. We're missing the point here big time. We're missing yeah. the objective here. I think we've like definitely come to the conclusion that we are for sure fucking up and doing it wrong. Like we are for sure missing the point, as you just said. Like if if the gods do come back and check on us, I think in a way it's gonna be the most like humbling thing. You know, it'll really shake everyone because it's like, dude, you, you guys, it's like our parents coming home from like, work. What the hell? What the fuck are you all doing down He's here? He's on you're going to come back and be like, what the fuck? We left you with all the tools and information yeah. to make a great society where everybody can flourish. Yeah. What the hell we did you We sent you do? Nikola Tesla and you did nothing. And you fucking <laughs> stole from him, exploited him. And, and then, then fucking, kept it a secret. Then fucking censored all of that info that... That's some bullshit. Oh my god. Dude. We're failing. I feel like we're failing. I feel like whatever we're doing here down here on Earth is wrong. Like we are wrong. And we're just going farther and farther away from it. I feel like I think we're going further towards it. Like I honestly well, feel more yeah. like hopeful about the future than I ever have. Seriously. No, no, I, I totally agree with you. I'm just saying, like as a whole, like as a whole collective society. The way right that now. it's been going for like the yes. past 50, 100 years or whatever. But I feel like we're heading in yes. a different direction yes. now. Yes, things are changing, I think. I think mm -hmm. I think it's getting better. I was thinking about it. This is so random. But I was listening to Ariana Grande's song, uh, God is a Woman, in the bath today. And I was thinking about it. Like, if, if we're at the time now in 2018 where we can even say that, and like, and obviously she's talking about like sexual stuff, and it's not supposed to be like a religious thing. But like, I think it's so interesting and and woke and i feel like women are truly being held to different like imagine 100 years from now where we're going to be if we're at where we're at now i Absolutely. feel like we're headed towards the future <laughs> that sounds so dumb ariana grande is the reason we're heading towards the future but i'm just saying like society's accepting things well, differently dude. and thinking differently like that music video is pretty like trippy and it's pretty cool for like a mainstream pop star to say stuff like that and for people to accept it and it's like a top song right now well, if Does we that all, make any sense? No, it makes 100% com complete sense to me. And if you want to be honest, like, there's an absolutely no fucking reason that women should have ever been looked at lesser beings no, in the bitch. first place. Hey, we birth everyone Literally, here. the fact that women have been suppressed and pushed below men and walked yeah. over, taken advantage of, exploited. If anything, we are the closest thing to a morally, god here on this planet. Morally. We create life. Out of our bodies. Wrong. It's just completely wrong. It goes against everything. And speaking of women, the list of Sumerian rulers included one woman. Hell yeah. So there was at least a woman. Same with Egypt. Yeah. So the fact that they're even at that time, it look how long it took the fucking US to we still don't have a woman president. No. We haven't had one female representing this country. Not one. Not one. And we're at what? How many present? 40? And imagine almost 50 years. The lack of bullshit there would be. Dude. <laughs> seriously. 
I'm just saying. I really think, like, don't want to start, like, a sexist debate or anything, but I seriously think the world would be better off if it was run by women. We just think differently. Or at least involved, with, like, aided or anything. At least equally, equally represented right. and equally involved. Right. Hey, I wouldn't mind running the whole thing, too, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, though. I, I mean, it's it's... I think I think things could be different if if we had not, you know, lowered women on the totem pole and put yeah. them below men and, you know, had this, you know, for years and years and years, yeah. this sexist culture of men are the dominant one and women should just fucking roll over and take it, you know, and just like shut it. Like the fact that there was actually times in human history where that happened that we weren't allowed to vote like not that long ago, yeah. not that fucking long ago, guys. Seriously, it's pretty crazy to th to think like what would I what would I think if I was told uh, you don't get to have a say in this because you're a girl, and I've never had to have that. Like it just it shocks me that that wasn't even that long ago that we didn't even have that right to even elect someone. I mean, what the hell? There's no chance for a woman woman ever getting elected if only men can vote. That's what I'm saying. It, it's been a completely rigged system. Oh yeah, it's been I mean, a completely rigged system. We all know that, right? It's all it's rigged against women. It's rigged against certain races. We live in a rigged ass Income, society. It's, this whole it's, world is rigged. Income, wealth, education, all of that. It's not an equal and fair world for all. It's just nope. not. It's been manipulated and people have become greedy and selfish and self-absorbed and don't care that they're putting themselves over other human lives. It's just like, and I mean... I, I, I want to be optimistic here and say that I think that we're we're flipping the script and I think we're starting to see a huge change happening. And, you know, I think we are, in fact, headed into a new age of civilization and society and culture. And I think things in our lifetime, at least, should get better, at least a little bit better. Yeah, I think things are starting to, you know, people are waking up from the illusion <laughs> thanks yeah. to, you know, people like us and others and anybody that just decides to stop just you know feeding on the lies and feeding on this you know this version of reality that they've created for us and and realizing and you know having that truman show moment where you're like at the fucking wall and you're like well what the fuck i've been inside this thing i need to bust out of here yeah. and see and really see what is out there and and like the sumerians are like it's a perfect example of like holy fuck like i imagine like our society's way of thinking if we had taken this seriously and like if we had funneled all of our money and resources into the Sumerians like you would think that we'd want to like fucking decipher all of these we should have all of this deciphered we should try be striving to figure this out because this was this is our history this is the history of our civilization so it's just crazy that it's literally just almost being forgotten so that's why it's good mm -hmm. to talk about this stuff but back to the Sumerians, one of the, the greatest sources of information on ancient Mesopotamia is the so-called King List, which is a clay tablet that documents the names of the most of the ancient rulers of Sumer, as well as the lengths of their reigns. And that's where we found uh, the woman there as well. And some people, you know, some say that this is just a blend of historical fact and myth because one early king is said to have lived for 43,200 years. Which is like what I said earlier, I think there's a possibility that humans lived far longer than we even can imagine or think is possible. 
they could have lived for hundreds, even maybe thousands of years, I think. But one of the most interesting details about the Sumerian king list is the fact that the earliest list describes eight kings who ruled over Earth for a total of 241,200 years since the original kingship had descended from heaven all the way to the time of the great flood, which swept over the land. And once more, the kingship was lowered from heaven after the flood, which to me, the way that I decipher that is that maybe there's a possibility that the Sumerian history goes back way, way, way farther than we even know thousands of years before. Cause that, cause at the end of the day, we don't know when the Sumerians exactly showed up. We don't even know where they came from. Yeah. We don't even know how it came to be. They were just there. And the reason we know they were there is because we found their shit. We found their tablets. We found their their ziggurats. We found their stuff. That's how we know. So it's possible they were there far, far longer. But Sumer's lone female monarch in the form of Kubaba. 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 A woman tavern keeper who supposedly took the throne in the city-state of Kish sometime around 2500 B.C. The Sumerian king list describes a time on earth when gods ruled for thousands of years over mankind, which is interesting. So maybe there was a point like before, you know, the Sumerians kind of took over their civilization where the gods or maybe the Anunnaki or whatever, these beings or extraterrestrials even actually just ruled over earth at that time. But what's crazy is that Sumerian culture was actually lost to history until the 19th century. So from the time that it existed to the time that it ended, it would became completely lost and wasn't actually discovered until the 19th century. After Mesopotamia was occupied by the Amorites and Babylonians in the early second millennium BC, the Sumerians gradually lost their cultural identity and they ceased to exist as a political force. All knowledge of their history, language, and technology, even their name was eventually forgotten. Their secrets remained buried in the deserts of Iraq until the 19th century when French and British archaeologists finally stumbled upon Sumerian artifacts while hunting for evidence of the ancient Assyrians. Scholars such as Henry Rawl Rawlinson, Edward Hennicks, Julius Oper, and Paul Hout later took the lead in deciphering the Sumerian language and cuneiform, providing historians with their first ever glimpse of the long-lost history and literature of early Mesopotamia. So since the 19th century, we've recovered numerous pieces of Sumerian art. In fact, we continue to when we excavate, especially in the Middle East and Iraq, we are still continuing to dig up Sumerian artifacts. And again, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of clay tablets which have yet to be translated. So just imagine the information that is on those tablets or the stories or the details seem like they were very intelligent, very highly advanced society. They had this, they clearly had this knowledge and technology thousands of years ago. So maybe they actually wrote down how they got it exactly, where they got it from. Maybe we can confirm if we continue to decipher these tablets, whether or not Zechariah Stitchin is telling the truth or not, or this is, you know, indeed fact that, that there was this, you know, race of gods or deities or beings called the Anunnaki that and, you know, Nibiru, maybe there's more information out there that has yet to be found or translated to um, to solidify this as fact. So I think it's I think it's just such a interesting, interesting thing to ponder about and to think about the origins of of humans. And, you know, my views on it have completely changed from when I was a kid to now and and just discovering this. And, and I think it's just crazy and absurd that, that we, they, we don't teach 
It's like honestly offensive. about the Sumerian civilization. I'd be if I were them in school, it's ridiculous. Other than a few pages or a chapter or something, or when they were so influential for us and when so they, interesting. I mean, God, talk about trying to get kids interested in history and in school. Talking about stuff like this would definitely pique interest. Like, how do you guys think that they knew this? Imagine the discussion Dude, in a classroom. Talk about like little minds opening up. Like yeah. kids would be like, be able to ponder about Instead, this. They're like, okay, memorize the yeah, Chinese no, dynasties. That's the thing. School is all memorization. <laughs> so it's all, here's it's this. This is fact. This is fact. This is fact. Your textbook is fact. Everything in here is, is solid. There's all, it's all backed up by proof. You don't need to look anywhere else. Don't need to question it. You don't need to fucking, you know, look at any other sources. Your textbook is the law. Because that's the that's the, the the way they program you, you know, that's the way yeah, they program they you the school programs you to believe what you're gonna believe so does you know religion in a lot of sense sort of programs you to think one way and and So you just never even think to consider other Alternatives especially when it's literally being touted as pseudoscience or you know, just complete bullshit or made-up stories so I get why people just you know, like, ah, oh, it's just all bullshit. It's all, you know, fake. But when you actually take the time to look into it and you start piecing it together, like we've said a million times on this podcast, is like when you start learning all this stuff, you start connecting the dots and you start thinking deeply and open your mind about it. You start connecting the dots and, and asking questions. The dots are connected just like the constellations connect. They're and congratulations. All you've made it through two hours and 20 minutes or around that. For yeah, this it's podcast, about two hours. so you have yeah. learned some things today. So yeah, hopefully, what have you learned? Let us know what you didn't know in the comments. I want to know what you guys didn't know. Yeah, and let us know what you think of the Sumerian creation story. Like, do you think that there's a possibility that you know we are the offspring of extraterrestrial race, like the Anunnaki or something? I really that, think they could have. Genetically... You know, life started here mm -hmm. because of this panspermia theory. Oh, before we go, this this is really interesting. There's this. There's like this. Anunnaki picture. I wish I could find it, but it, it literally has like a little like humanoid sitting on the lap of them. It's like one of their drawings of this like kind of strange being, and then it's like literally like a little monkey sitting on its lap. Mm. That's yeah. We're well, like the children. There's a lot of pictures that suggest that a lot of this is true, you know, including including some some depictions of uh, pictograms that look like some claimed spaceships and stuff. So it it's. It's possible. I mean, it sounds crazy, but it's possible. They they were aliens and they were flying around in spacecraft and they had advanced technology. They had the ability to do all these things. And maybe the knowledge that the Sumerians had was passed on to them by some other, you know, higher race or being or deity or whatever you want to call it. So let us know what you think, though. I'm, I'm very curious to see your guys' thoughts and, you know, if you have other points to add or different things. Obviously, I can't possibly find everything on the Anunnaki or the Sumerians, but I think this gives a pretty decent overview of of them, what they were known for, you know, what they believed, how how they believed the origin of humans happened. I mean, I think it's a very good start. So, you know, maybe we'll even expand on this in a future episode. But hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you did, give it a huge thumbs up. If you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe on iTunes if you're listening or wherever you're listening from. We really do appreciate it. And yeah, guys, thank you for joining us for episode um, 26, or is this 27? I might have the number, so, but um, I think it's 27, actually. <laughs> is it? I think it is, yeah. No. I forgot to change the number. 
Oh, so did I say it wrong in the beginning? Yeah, I think we no, did. No, I thought last time was the 25th one. <laughs> You're always ahead one time. I don't know. My mind is just in the clouds these days. I feel like I'm just like, I, I don't even know what's reality. <laughs> too much all. cloud nine? I'm like, yeah, too much cloud nine. I'm like, <laughs> what is around me? All right. Well, but this has been a guys. long one. I hope you guys liked it. Let us know what you think of the length of this. People are always requesting. It's interesting. Some people are like, make this shorter so it fits my commute. And then some people are like, make it longer because I want to make three commutes out of it. I want to. Well, here's a long one for you yeah, today, here guys. You go. So hope you enjoy. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And stay woke. We will see you next time.